Show on the big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right, there we go. All right. All right. Welcome in, everybody. It is Monday, January 29th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in dark, depressing, gloomy, and hopeless Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you want to uh, look for a competitive advantage in today's data-driven world, earn your master's in business analytics from the University of Louisville. You can do this in just 12 months. There's no previous coding experience required to get started or learn more and to sign up for potential online or in-person classes. Visit business.louisville.edu today. We're on the air today, finally, from 3.13 until 6 here on 14.50 a.m., 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know it's better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here with you on a sad Monday. Very sad. Before we get into just how sad, I'm not going to rant. Got to say hey to Scooter Dingus, a.k.a. Justin Kalen, who also does not want to be here today, which is fine. You've had a busy week, busy day, <laughs> but you are here. You're taking one for the team today. We appreciate it. How are you? It's not that I didn't want to be here, Mike. I just I have some things I need to take care of that I was a little too lazy this weekend to do. I had two days off this weekend, which is a rarity. Actually, Saturday was my first off day of the year, so that Jeez. that was big time. I didn't want to do anything on Saturday, um, so I kind of put off all the things I needed to do this weekend. So I was hoping I could get them done early in the week, and that proved to not be the case. So it's nice of you to say that. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't want to be here doing the show. <laughs> I would rather be doing just about anything else than doing this show right now. I, I was wondering about your mindset coming in here today because it was a, a worst-case scenario, right, in terms of the weekend, in terms of your sports weekend. Maybe not in terms of your overall life weekend, but in terms of your sports weekend, pretty pretty gloomy. It's pretty bad. Yeah, I'm not happy. I don't blame you. I'm not. I mean, I said it on Friday. I, I, I thought this is what was going to happen. I thought we were going to get Chiefs Niners. Mm-hmm. I thought that the the 49ers would win handily. Like I, I, I was hopeless, uh, hopeful. I thought there was a shot, but I thought at the end of the day, the Lions will probably lose by double figures. They almost lost by double figures. Having it happen the way in which it did, I almost would have rather just gotten blown out. Like <laughs> this is, this, this is the worst. Like this, this is, it's one of those games where. Instantly when it happens, you realize, like, this is one of those games that you're going to be talking about for the rest of your sports life. When the topic invariably comes up of worst losses, ones that just 
you never really got over, ones that sink forever. Like typically you kind of know when they happen that that's going to be on that list forever. Like UK 2014 for me, absolutely on that list. The Rutgers loss in football in 2006, you you knew right away like this is not going to be forgotten. This one won't be forgotten ever for me. Um it was a rough morning. I woke up. It was really like I woke up and like you kind of forget for like ten seconds, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, my life sucks." Like this, this is. I was supposed to be celebrating the Super Bowl. I'm supposed to be having the two. It's made worse because we've got Louisville basketball doing what they're doing right now. There's nothing to fall back on. I was right. looking forward to like two weeks of distraction. I mean, that's the worst part of it. Is like I said, like I thought the 49ers would win. I thought it would be relatively handily. The way in which it took place put me in a position where I started believing. Like, like, I, you know, I'm not letting you not letting yourself celebrate. It's not like I'm gloating or thumping my chest or texting friends or anything like that. Like, you're very much like, okay, 30 more minutes. But you let your your mind starts wandering a little bit. You start thinking about, hey, we already beat the Chiefs already. We could actually do this. Like, two weeks of hype. Who cares? Like, how am I going to do a radio show where I talk about U of L when all I can think about is the Lions? <laughs> and then the, the second half happens, and it's like. The worst thing that could possibly happen. It, it, I, I've seen fans of of other teams. I've seen just general sports people be like, "That's like the worst loss of all time." Like the, the because the Lions, because you you know you've never been to a Super Bowl before. You're the only original NFL team that's never played in a Super Bowl. You've I mean we're playing in the NFC Championship for basically the first time in my life. I, I don't I don't rem, I don't have conscious memories of when they lost to Washington in 1992. I know I'm sure I was watching, but like, I don't remember anything about it other than the fact that we got blown out. So, like, I've never been here before, and it's this crazy sequence of ridiculous decisions, ridiculously bad breaks, self-inflicted stuff, just a complete collapse results in in losing by three points in the conference championship game, in, in, in a game where not only were you up by 17 points, but you felt like you were in complete control. I, I want to preface the... We'll talk about Lamar in a second, and certainly we'll talk about the U of L game on Saturday. More fun stuff ahead. <laughs> I want to preface my comments with the about the decision. I love Dan Campbell. Yeah, I do. I recognize that we just had the most fun season that I've had, and the most successful season that we've had in my life as a Lions fan. And it doesn't happen without Dan Campbell's vision, the game plan that he set three years ago when he got the job. The foundation that he laid, the way that they drafted, the you know the, 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 their style, all of that made this season possible, getting to the precipice of going to the Super Bowl for the first time. Having said that, there were things that were done last night that I, I will never understand, that will stay with me forever, that I will just continue to be like, oh my, how, 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 how do you make that decision? How do you do that? Why do you do that? And it was, speaking of... of Things that happen and like instantaneously you see like I'm never going to forget this. The decision, because we'll talk about the decisions to, to not kick field, the, the, the first one. Well, I guess the first one was technically at the end of the first half when they, they could go for it. Fourth down. Mm-hmm. He elects to kick the field goal, make it a three-possession game at the half. I thought it was the right move. The first one in the second half, I don't think I'll ever get over. Because I, I had this flash the moment that they, before they even don't convert, before they, they go out there to go for it and fourth down, we're like, I feel like I'm going to be 80 years old and talking about this decision. And it's the reason why I've never gotten a chance to see the Lions in the Super Bowl as I'm on my deathbed and be like, three score game, make it a three score game. 
And I know that he's probably, people are going to defend him on the text line. People have been defending him all day. And I, I get it. Like It's an easy defense to say, well, you loved him when he was doing it in the regular season. How can you not love it when he's doing it now? This is, you've got it. Dance with the date that brought you. This is the philosophy that got him to this point. This is the philosophy you have to go with. No. <laughs> no. I love, like, most times where I'm watching Lions games, it, like, the decision that seems crazy, I'm in favor of it. I'm like, I'm like cool. Because it's it's typically goes hand-in-hand with the situation. And I know that the analytics say, in the situation that they were in both times in the second half, you're supposed to go for it. The analytics cannot be this straightforward, by the book, no nuance involved type deal. It's like saying, hey, it's third and nine. You always pass on third and nine, right? When there's 45 seconds left and the other team doesn't have a timeout. No, in that situation, you run. The situation early in the second half, situational awareness has to come into play at some point when you're making these types of situations. You kick their ass up and down the field for the first 30 minutes of that game. So, so much so that Kyle Shanahan comes out after halftime and he's like, we've got to score to start this half. If, if we don't score, it feels like the game's over. And that's what a three-score lead in the second half is. It's suffocating. The Niners used eight minutes of clock on their first drive in the third quarter and they only got a field goal out of it. You're up two touchdowns. They've got a 45-yard field goal to get it back to a three-score game. And again, three-score game, second half, 22 minutes to play, that's a suffocating deficit. That is very much, you're putting the opponents on their heels. They are desperate to score. They are panicky if they don't get a score on every single possession. Kick the field goal. Make it a three-score game. Is that how you felt in the moment? Yes, 100%. Keep the pressure on them. Because, look, they came down, they they had to fight for every yard they got on that first drive, and then you held them to three. You came right down. You did exactly what you've been doing to them in, in the first half. You marched right down the field. You converted a couple of third downs. If you kick the field, you totally wipe out the mini advantage that they gained to that half if you equalize their points. It goes right back to where it was at half, and you've knocked 10 minutes off the clock. You, you have 10, you, you've got 30, 20 minutes to kill before you go to the Super Bowl. Make them have this crazy comeback. And here's the other thing, too. San Francisco's not a quick-strike team. Mm-mm. They live and die with run to Christian McCaffrey, little run to Debo, quick throw for Brock Purdy. They're not going like again. A three score lead for anybody in the second half is is a monumental, like no margin for error type outcome. For the 49ers, it's doubly so because they don't play, you know, eighty yard pass. Blah blah blah. You have to help them out to have them erase that deficit in any sort of fashion. And the Lions help them out in the most extreme manner possible, you make that decision to not make it a three-score game. And I just don't like, like, yeah, a touchdown's better. Of course it is. But the field goal has the same type of effect where they're like, damn, like, you know, we've got, clock's an issue now. We got to get going. We got to move a little bit faster. And you, at that point, like, you feel, the, the momentum's a real thing in football. You give them the entirety of the momentum. They have a mental lift. They've got a physical lift. The, the crowd gets back into it. And all of a sudden, they're thinking, hey, if we go down there and score here pretty quickly, all of a sudden, one score game. We get the ball back. After that, we get a quick three and out. Maybe they make a mistake. We got a chance to tie this thing up. We're right back in. And that's exactly what happens. You, I, I know Josh Reynolds should have the, caught the ball. I know, I know it. Like four times. God, that one especially. And then the one, two possessions later. 
I get all of that. You call the right play. Goff made a decent throw. Reynolds didn't make the catch. You put yourself in a position where that type of mistake can kill you. And I just don't understand it. They go down. They score. They already got all the momentum. Then Jameer Gibbs lines up in the wrong spot or runs the wrong way or whatever it was. Uh, fumbles on the first play of the next drive. San Francisco scores. And then it's it, not only is it, it it's like level playing field. Technically, it's it, it's not level playing field. At that point, it's all the, it's their game. Like like they've won. It feels like they're ahead of you, even though it's twenty four twenty four. And then the lines just crumble from that point. You know, penalties, uh, drops. You know, Reynolds drops a can't drop third down conversion. Great throw by Goff. Goff was the only one who seemed to kind of keep his head a little bit in that situation. The defense starts giving up. Like they're hanging their heads. There's no energy. There's no juice in the sidelines. And it's it's pretty much done at that point. Don't forget catches off the guy's face mask. That was wild, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the craziest things I've seen. It's one of those things when that happens, which I do. I, I also like people are like, well, if he just caught the interception where it stood, they threw that flag and then they they said it wasn't pass interference. I feel like it was one of those where if if they yeah. if it had been an incomplete pass or an interception, they would have kept they would have called it pass interference. It's the equivalent of in basketball when they call a foul late because they saw the shot missed. They want to see if it was going to go in. One hundred percent. Yeah, th- that play, I was numb at that point. Because th- at that point, you see the writing on the wall. You're like, well, we're definitely going to lose now. Like, yeah. they, there's no way. Like, this is classic Lions at the uh, like, biggest possible stage. And the second decision to to not go for it, I wanted them to kick the field goal. I was not nearly as strong as I was the first time because it did feel like we've lost all momentum. If you kick this field goal and tie the game, and Badgley's like, he's like 79% from 40 to 50 yards. So it's not a guarantee that he's going to make it, but it's the odds are better of doing that than they are of converting. The Lions had gone for it on fourth and, and, and three or more. I think more than any team but two in the NFL this year, and they had converted on just under 30% of those tries. And the first one was technically fourth and two. It was a long two. It's basically fourth and three. Yeah. So you're saying you have a 30% chance or just under 30% chance of converting on either one of those and like an 80% chance of converting on getting the three points on both drives. I just... I just don't understand. And, and again, it's not that simple. It's got to be more nuanced than that. And everything, just game feel-wise, had to say take the points that first time. The second time, I sort of get it where you're, you feel things slipping away and maybe a touchdown can get the momentum back on your side and put a little bit of pressure on them. But I just I, I don't understand. I, I love Dan Campbell. I get it. I'll never, I'll never really get what's going through his mind. And then I really don't understand the decision to run for it when you're you're down two scores with three timeouts left and put yourself in a position where if you don't score here, like you've got no shot other than to get the onside kick, which has only happened twice in the entire NFL season. Man, I thought they had it though. I mean, it looked so good. That would have been the only thing that would have made that harder is if they'd gotten it and then they would have revealed the replay that he touched it like a half a yard short of, <laughs> of, of where you, you, the 10 yards and it would have gotten called back. Like That would have been the only thing that could have made last night worse is if I celebrated that. It would have been like the Louisville-Rutgers game in 06 where the guy misses the field goal, but Louisville was offsides, and he got a chance to kick the game winner again. Like That was the, yeah, it was, at that point I'm already done. But I, I just, they made some ridiculous decisions. Obviously, it could have gotten, th- those could have been nullified if the guys had just made some plays. If, you know, if, if Gibbs doesn't fumble, if um, Kimball, um, Lindor, whatever his name, the guy we got from the Bears who had the the ball doink off his helmet, um, had just knocked that ball down. If the defense at any point in the second half had somebody step up and make a play, if the drops don't happen, 
all of that stuff. It could have, you know, Dan Campbell could have been back to gambling Dan. It was fun. Like, oh, we almost kind of cost him this time. It's a talking point going into the Super Bowl. It, it, it took a perfect storm to lose that game, and that's exactly what happened. And now, like, I'll, like, I, I respect the hell out of Campbell. I, his message after the game talking to the team was like, look, there's, there's no guarantee that we get back here. You know, he was, it's very easy as a Lions fan who's sucked, you know, my entire life to say, you know, we, look at the slow build. We win a couple of games at the end of his first season. We damn near make the playoffs at the end of his second. We're right here in the NFC Championship game in his third. It's only going to get better. Bengals fans, I'm sure, were saying the same thing when they lost in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. You never know what's going to happen. You never know when a star player is going to get hurt at the beginning of a season. You never know if you're going to be a, like now. Like you have three assistants that are interviewing for head coaching jobs because yep. everyone sees what you're doing. Ben Johnson almost assuredly is gone. You're going to have to find a new offensive coordinator who's another brilliant mind. You know, Jared Goff. Can he keep this level of play uh, up for a while? Like, is he, is he is a downslope coming at some point? Uh, can they keep just drafting as well as they've been drafting? And even then, you need a little bit of luck. You want a one-point game in the first round of these playoffs. You, you want a one-score game in the second round of these playoffs against two teams that were good, but both like nine and eight teams entering the playoffs. Like, you may not get a path that easy ever again. I mean, look at uh, you know, Cowboys fans. I'm sure they weren't expecting to have – they haven't played in a conference championship game in 22 years. <laughs> Stuff happens in the playoffs, and it's it's tough to even get to the playoffs. And so, to have to have it all right there in your grasp, and then just kind of piss it away, is a very very bitter pill to swallow right now. And it just it, it sucks. There's there's no way around it. Like I was like this was so fun for me. Like the last few weeks have been the most fun I've ever had as a, as a Lions fan, which is not saying a whole lot because <laughs> <laughs> there hasn't been a lot to compare it to. But like you know, see my wife get really into it. like she's she's celebrating last night. My kids kind of get into it. Uh, I know John's too young to really understand, but like him wearing his jersey and like saying "Go Lions, Go" during the game, like it's, it was so fun. And you know, we're talking about like, like you know, I mean, I got more texts from people that I hadn't talked to in forever last <laughs> night. Um, at the, like in, in the first half of the game, just like checking the phone, and it was one of those last night very much so where like I didn't have the heart to respond to anybody who was like so Ooh. sorry, but like, it's like people who you know. People I haven't talked to in like years who are like so sorry, man. Like I'm hurting for you. I'm like I, I, I can't feign a response right now. I'm not going to send. So if I didn't text you back last night, my apologies. I was, I was hurt. Like it was just it was tough. Like I was uh, I was very very upset. It's it, it's been rare that sports have gotten me this upset in a while because Louisville hasn't been on, on that type of stage. And last night was bad. It was the, definitely the worst loss of the Lions fan, and uh, it's going to be you, you. You eventually I'll get to a point in a couple of weeks, maybe a month, where. It's like you'll you remember how fun it was, and can you believe that they actually did it? And things are going to get better. And you know, we, we have the third best Super Bowl odds going into next year, and the early lines that are already out. But for right now, it just is like man, like no guarantee they would have won the Super Bowl. Certainly, they would have been a big underdog against Kansas City. But just to have that experience would have been so fun, and and it just feels like you really, really let one go last night. What was your confidence level at halftime? I mean. I definitely thought that like you knew a run was coming. You, you knew San Francisco wasn't going to go lying down, but it was higher than it would have been if we'd been going up against like a Patrick Mahomes type team. You know, somebody with that magic and that all, that quick strike offense. Like I honestly felt like, and it, I still feel, if you just don't play crap football for thirty minutes, you win. Like you have to play C football, maybe even C minus football. Like just don't give them the game, and you've got a really good shot. And they just gave them the game. It, it took an insane sequence of events for San Francisco to not just be, you know, it, it was like you, you had, if you kick the field goal, you're up by 17 with 20 minutes to go. Instead, your 17-point lead becomes a tie game in four minutes. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I, I was definitely, I was not letting myself think too far ahead. But I mean, 24-7 and you watch, it, it wasn't a fluky 24-7 either. We marched up the field every time we had the ball. Even the one time they stopped us, it was like we had a drop. Uh, Amon Ra dropped a pass on second down that would have been a first down. We had a weird kind of play call. We tried to get a little too cute and we punted from midfield. Like that was that was the only time that we didn't drive down the field and score. And even when they held us to a field goal, like we were on the, the, the two-yard line. If we had a little bit more time, we would have probably just punched in for six. And it's like... We're in total control at that point. I, they, I was probably like a like a seven point eight. They did do one thing that I really love to see in sports, and it's becoming more and more rare nowadays. But typically, when teams are up big like that, they will play to not lose. And I don't feel like with the aggressiveness of the Lions last night that they had that mindset. They were still playing to win that game. The execution just didn't quite work out, and they couldn't get it done. But I, I just feel like that's rare anymore. You rarely see teams that play to win when they have a big lead like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish that they had played not to lose at, yeah. <laughs> at that point. Yeah. A little bit at least. Like, yeah. like th- th- there's a happy medium, right, between sure. being bold and continuing. Like, there's a there, there's a fine line between aggressiveness and recklessness. And I feel like we last night veered over into the reckless nature when it just yeah. wasn't necessary to. And, and I think, uh, you know. But, I mean, isn't that the identity? That's what it's been all year. Why change now? Because you have you. a Super Bowl to go to. It, it's got you this far, though. But I mean, if but if, like, if not, they those go, decisions have not. Like that, that's my point. Is like they've done it at, at times where it's been been fine. But like, you have to take into account the opponent, the situation. You're on the road in the NFC Championship game. It's not like there's a difference between going for it in that situation and going for it in Week Five against the Panthers when you're playing at home, right? Like, yeah. like at some point you have to realize this is a better team. The books may say one thing. But my brain says we've controlled this entire game. They're not a quick strike offense. All we have to do is get through twenty minutes to win this game. Kick the bleeping field goal. If even if they had done that and it didn't work out, I mean, you're still going to be having the same thing. You're saying the same things today, regardless, right? I mean, probably not. I mean, if, if you kick the field goal and they still somehow find a way to lose, then it's like I feel like it's more of you just tip your cap to the 49ers. like. I mean, it's easy, and I won't do the math thing where it's like, hey, they lost by three, and you kick the two field goals, you win by three, because it's it's obviously not that simple. A bunch of things, different things would have played out, and who knows? You know, maybe you keep the field goal, you up by 17. San Francisco still has a fluky play, and that was the thing, too, is like, it wasn't like they just designed this crazy play, and they got wide open. Like, we had a dude, we had a pass bounce off a dude's head for a 50-yard, and then we just happened to, you know, Jameer Gibbs, rookie moment, screws up a play, doesn't have the ball secured, and fumbles right after that, and then you know, at that point, it's it's game on. They've got all the momentum. They're playing at home. They've been the better team this season. It's you know you have to pick yourself up off the ground, and we didn't do a good job at that. Like we let everything avalanche, we let everything snowball, and it was it was uncharacteristic of that team. I know everyone will say it's characteristic of the Lions franchise, but it was definitely uncharacteristic of that team. And now, like it's so hard, especially when you're not one of the the big franchises that's out there to just keep a team together, keep the core pieces, and then go out and get new pieces that you need. Like We, we need some guys in the secondary to help out. We maybe need, need a little help at linebacker. It just it felt so perfect in the first half. You also had the interception was Malcolm Rodriguez. Did you watch Hard Knocks a couple years ago when they were on? I didn't, no. He was kind of like the, the little star, like the, the lower-drafted rookie who was just earned a starting linebacker job because he worked so hard and undersized, gritty, and all that stuff, so like fully representative of the Lions' mindset. And... He became a backup this year, but he goes in after an injury, makes the interception. It's just like 
It, it felt like everything great was happening. At the beginning of the game, too, so my wife was supposed to take a work trip to Cleveland this week, and she really, really Yuck. didn't want to go. Yeah, I don't blame her. She has to drive. You know, it's a, you know, she's driving like 10 hours over a 38-hour period. It kind of screws our schedule up, you know. With with you know, I've got to cover the, the Louisville game tomorrow night at nine. We need some childcare and all. Like it, it just was going to be a disaster. And right as the game's starting, I think we're up seven nothing. She gets the, the notice that people like, like there's been a COVID outbreak among her work group, and and they're not going to go on the trip. And she's like, nice. celebra- she's like, Lions are going to win. Like every, <laughs> everything was going right for the the, the entire night, and then it, it just it it, it didn't. Uh, I, I do think they'll have a, a good shot to be back. I think they, you know, it's it's a, it's a fun franchise to follow. I still am, am happy about the direction of the lines are going. But my God, it was a it was a, a tough one to stomach last night. It, it was pretty bad. Um, I tell you what, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Lamar, which was also tough to stomach, and then we'll talk about Louisville losing to Virginia. But had to get the lines a little out of the way, as uh, just you know, a lot of feelings, a lot, a lot of feelings on the chest here. It's a sad episode. It's a sad day. It's a sad Monday. Here on the Mike Rutherford Show, but thank you so much for spending some time with us. We'll be right back here on 1450 and Welcome back in. Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 961 The Big X. Sad Lions talk to begin the show. How about some sad Ravens and sad Louisville talk to continue the show here? Uh, as we roll on on this gloomy Monday, it was you know, it, it, it was the most excited I've ever been for a day of NFL football. The most anxious I've ever been for a day of the of NFL football because you did have the Lions playing in the NFC Championship game, but also Lamar Jackson, Louisville's own Louisville's favorite son, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champs, for a trip to the Super Bowl. All of the you know wanting him to shirk the narratives that were out there about can't get it done in the playoffs, not really a quarterback. Never be on that same level as Mahomes and, and, and those guys. It felt like it was all there for the taking. They were the favorite team. They were playing at home. And Lamar didn't play well. It wasn't just him. The Ravens did some very uncharacteristic things. And the Chiefs did what they do well. And the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. In both games, it did kind of feel like the the, the deciding factor was the team that had been there before just sort of played its game, did what it did well had the breaks, had the big moments, had somebody step up and make a play when they had to, and the team that hadn't really been there before looked like they hadn't been there before. Like The Ravens, stupid penalties, bad mistakes, Lamar looking a step or two off, coaching decisions being weird, not running. You're the best running offense in the, in the NFL against a run defense that's not very good, and you run the ball, what, 12 times? Forgetting Gus Edwards exists in the first half. It was just a, a bizarre sequence of events for the Ravens. And at the end of the day, they lose 17-10. to 10. It does suck because now you've got – and you knew it was going to happen. You, the, the people who have been very quiet on the Lamar actually sucks front have been very vocal for the <laughs> last 24 hours or so, people coming out of the woodwork. And it's going to be like this for the next year. I mean, and like he can go out there next year. The Ravens can go 17-0. He can 
lock up the NFL MVP for a third time. They can be the number one seed. They can roll into the AFC Championship game. And until he gets it done on that stage, people are going to keep saying the same things. And it, it does suck. Like, I, I feel for him. I know that you could tell how much last uh, the, the game hurt him. You could, he's been talking about going to a Super Bowl since he got drafted and not getting it done. It should not change the way that people view him, having one bad game on this type of stage, especially against a team like the Chiefs, who have you know six straight conference championship game, four Super Bowl in five years. But it's going to like it's going to be the narrative. Like it's an easy narrative to have. Mahomes just has it. Lamar doesn't have it, and that's why Patrick's playing for yet another Super Bowl championship. And um, you know, if you want to buy into that, that's fine. There's really no way you can counteract it until Lamar actually does go to a Super Bowl, and he won't have that opportunity for another 12 months. I'm already so bored with the Super Bowl. Like, I, <laughs> it's is it personal? Yeah, like personal bitterness, personal saltiness. Yeah. But you would have felt like if you had Lamar, like that's a cool storyline to follow. And certainly he's the most exciting player in the NFL. If you have the Lions, that's a cool storyline. Them not being there, like all these fans. If you got the Chiefs and you got Taylor. You've got Taylor, who's probably not even going to be there because she's no, a, she, a concert in Tokyo. Yeah, but there, just, there was somebody that worked out her schedule. Jenna Bush Hager, I saw if, that. If everything lines up perfectly, yeah, she can be there. We'll see. And plenty of time. I'm sure we'll figure it out. And I actually don't hate the Taylor Swift coverage as much as oh. a lot of people do. I'm, I'm fine with it. It, it. It's whatever. I just don't like the Chiefs. Like I think the Chiefs are corny as hell. I think they show their true colors. You know, They lose a couple of games this year, and all of a sudden they're whining about every possible thing. You know, Patrick Mahomes, worst bleeping call I've ever seen in my whole life. Like, sh- Shut up. Yeah, like, that, that whole thing was dumb. I like the Chiefs, though. I, I, I hate the Chiefs. I don't so, know if I'm, it's, I'm done with the Chiefs. I, I think it's because of Travis Kelsey. I'm just, I've always been such a big Travis Kelsey fan. Yeah, I mean, he's all that is man. I kind of the, the weird thing is I think he's funny like when, when I see clips of the podcast and, mm. and some of the stuff off the field like I think he's funny when he's on the field I think he's the corniest dude alive like it, it feels like ninety five percent of what he's doing is for the cameras like he was yeah, he went over the top after they beat the Bengals last year with the whole like you know uh, you know Burroughs like whatever the the saying was like going over the top and then like you know, yesterday like kicking Tucker's teeth like, throwing his helmet hilarious. away and like doing all that. I mean, is it though? It's, it's just kind of annoying. I, I thought it was annoying when. So I'm not a big Patrick Mahomes fan. So Travis Kelsey did all that to Tucker's stuff. I thought it was hilarious. And then Tucker kind of laughed about it and he came back to the goal line, put his kicking stick out. And then Mahomes picked it up yeah. and relaunches it back. So that's that's where I was kind of like, well, that's kind of douche. And he's trying to tell, like Tucker's trying to tell him, he's like, he's like, your kicker's on the other side, in the exact same place on the other side of the field, doing the exact same stuff. Like yeah. this is every every week, and the Chiefs have to be d bags about it because the Chiefs are d bags. <laughs> and then I mean, like I'll probably root for the Niners just because I don't have anything extreme against the Niners. Like, mm. I mean, I, I guess Chubba Purdy, Brock's brother. Did Louisville dirty a couple times a couple years ago, but I don't, outside of that, I don't really care one way or the other about him. See, I was going for the Lions if they won, but I'm going for the Chiefs now. I don't, I don't know what it is about the Niners. I just can't get behind them. I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't care. That's the thing. I, yeah. I don't care about the Super Bowl at all. Like this, it, it feels like yet another Super Bowl where I just don't have a rooting interest. I was a little intrigued a few years ago when when Stafford was playing for the Rams, just because he was, you know, first year after being a Lion. You're kind of rooting for him, but also you're super jealous, and and there's a little bit of pettiness involved there. Um, but th- I just I don't have that much. Of, I guess I'll be the standard fan who's like, oh, I'm gonna watch the commercials and, and Usher and, <laughs> and all that stuff. Like I'll watch the game, but it's just it's it, it doesn't have as much meaning as I was hoping it was going to. That was the only thing that was kind of a saving grace after you know watching the Ravens spit the bit against Kansas City was, hey, if the Lions win. There's no part of me in the back of my mind that's like feeling bad about actually winning the game. There's no part of me that's like, 
feeling weird about having to cheer against Lamar. I'm like, I can just outright hate these guys. Like, this is going to be great if we actually get this done. And uh, no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. So NFL, all bad yesterday. The day before in basketball, hey, all bad as well. (laughs) Not great. Uh, Unless we're talking about second half victories, which Louisville did pull off. I mean, I get up. You're I, welcome, Card Nation. You're, you're welcome. I stopped watching it at halftime. Yeah, you did the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, you were texting me watching the game. I'm like, buddy, you don't have to watch it. Anymore. I couldn't do it. You, I, after that first half, I just couldn't do it anymore. We don't, we're not going to have an in-depth conversation about the X's and O's of this game, Scoots. I, think I, need, you're, I need more than four buckets and a half. You're good to check out. Don't worry about it. You've seen all you need to see. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, on Friday when Rashawn was in here, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm sitting here talking about the game, and I'm looking at Virginia. We, we did like 10 minutes of actual talk about the game. It's a Virginia team that was terrible away from home. Like they had, they had one win, and it was against Georgia Tech. And their four losses, they had been just kind of shellacked. Like they, they, you know, Notre Dame is a bad team. They beat them by twenty-two at home. Um, NC State beat them by sixteen. Like they, they're losing those games by an average of twenty-one points per game. And they came into Saturday playing the worst offense they've been playing the entire season. Like could not make shots. Uh, their front court players have been really bad. They're already like just an okay three-point shooting team by Virginia standards, and they've been really bad recently. They scored 49 points in regulation against NC State in, in the game before this. Woof. So I wake up Saturday morning, and I'm like, you know, like the spread went up to nine. It was seven when it, when it was initially out. Ken Palm sees it as a six-point game. I, I'm not saying Louisville's going to win, but I kind of think they cover. And, of course, it's the one time that I have a good feeling about Louisville basketball that I put in writing, and I sent out the tweet. I'm like, I kind of think we cover today. <laughs> You fast forward like 20, 20 minutes later, and it's you know thirty two to three or whatever the score is, and you're like this bleeping idiot. Like, like this is this is why you don't this is why you keep opinions on the radio where hopefully people have to search to find them <laughs> because I felt like the biggest moron alive. Louisville comes out and could not have looked any more listless in the first half. They trail forty one to thirteen at halftime, which is one of those numbers where if you'd read that score two years ago, it, it like wouldn't compute. And now it's just another one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. We're making history again. The third largest halftime deficit in the history of Louisville basketball, uh, the only one that was significantly larger was uh, a 32-point halftime deficit in 1938. This is before the, the <laughs> classic 41 team. They trailed Bradley 44-12. to on December 10th, 1938, Bradley did go on to win that game, 71-26. So, look, we had more fight than we did in 1938. I can say that definitively. Uh, Louisville comes out. And, and, like, yeah, they hey, they played hard in the second half, and they did some things well, and they came out with energy. And it's like, why don't you just do this in the first half as opposed to when you're down by 28? They won the second half by 11. Who cares? 69-52 was the final score. It was, it was one of those games. It was like the Wake Forest game. Maybe we just don't play well on Saturdays. I don't know. But it was like the Wake Forest game the week before where any sort of semi-positive thoughts that you had, and my semi-positive thought last week was, I think they're going to win a few games in February. Like, playing this way, they're not going to beat anybody good, but I think they'll win a few games in February, and they'll go like 5-15 and in the ACC, maybe 6-14. and And for some enough, for some people, that'll be good enough. For me, it's not close to being good enough. But then you have a performance like this, and you're like, I don't know if they're going to beat anybody again playing like this. Like, like I, I get that it's Virginia, I get they've been a thorn in our sides. This is not a Kenny Payne thing. The the lopsidedness is a Kenny Payne thing. But the fact that Virginia's coming into our place and beating us, every Louisville coach since we joined this conference has had that same issue. But the way in which they looked, just the the, the total lack of uh, of effort. This is not a great Virginia team. I do think they have a good chance to make the NCAA tournament, but they're certainly like this is not 
these are not the Tony Bennett teams that would come in and beat us, and you're like, damn, that looks like a national title team. Um, this is a team that if they make the NCAA tournament, is going to be barely in the field of 68. And they came in, and for the second time in a month, just absolutely dominated you from start to finish. And it does make you rethink, what are we What are we doing here? Like, Are we actually going to win any more games this year? Do the players even care anymore? Does the coaching staff even care anymore? You got people circulating videos during <laughs> during one of the timeouts where there's some sort of like paper airplane show, and Nolan Smith and Josh Jameson are both just staring at the airplane show <laughs> and and not listening at all to what's happening in the huddle. And That's you're like, perfect. Jesus Christ, this is this is so depressing. Like they just can't they they find new ways to embarrass themselves every timeout. Paper airplanes are cool though. I mean, I look. <laughs> I would be watching the paper airplane show. I'm not getting paid $400,000 to actually pay attention to what's going on in the huddles. It's it's a bad look. Even if you're not really paying attention to whatever Kenny Payne is saying, maybe just act like you are. Maybe just know that the optics at this point need to look as good as they can possibly be if you want to keep a job next year. And I guess maybe people just checked out. Maybe the, these coaching staff, they know that they're going somewhere else. But maybe if you want another good job, you don't want to have that circling around social media, which it was. Um, I, I mean... I can't even remember what the Kenny Payne post game was at this point. I'm just like the Lions depression has taken over a lot of the Kenny Payne just sadness. But it did feel like a pretty standard post game press conference where he talked about it. I think he said I'm not discouraged, I'm embarrassed was the the, the big thing that came out there. I mean, he also did the whole thing with Tony Bennett again where like he's he's laughing it up and he's bro hugging it up and I know it shouldn't bother me as much as it did, but as it does, but it, it does. And I've been saying this for two straight years now where I'm like, maybe don't just look like this is the funniest thing in the world when you've gotten your ass handed to on your home floor in front of you know, 35 people and you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to do this because this sucks for everybody involved. The difference between us and, and you is that we're not getting paid handsomely to do this. When When you get to stop, you get to go be super rich for the rest of your life. We just have lost years of our fan life. Like they, this is maybe take it a little bit more serious. And I, I think it's a coping mechanism for them. I think it's a little bit of a defense. It's like people who, when they get nervous, they, they laugh, like they can't help it. You kind of smile. I feel like it's something similar with him, but maybe just do whatever you can to just, you know, give a blow by handshake. Just, just move on. Like just, just, just act like this means something to you and, and it hurts. We, I know it does. It has to hurt. Like this is a prideful person. This is the guy who's been competitive his whole life. Being ten and forty-two has to just be eating at him. I would hope so, but maybe just let us know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. But it was—I mean, we remain the laughing stock of college basketball. It's nothing's changed, and and the rant—not a rant. I don't. I don't rant. I've never <laughs> ranted. But the spiel that I went on last week, both on this show and on the podcast on Friday. It felt even more apt after Saturday, where it was like, we just have to to, to get through this. Like, th- there's nothing else that can be done. I, I know we're going to continue to debate head coaching candidates. I know, you know Chris Beard. How much can you put up with Will Wade? How much can you put up with? Hey, what are you hearing about this guy? What are you hearing about that guy? And I know that that's going to dominate this conversation for the next month and a half. But as far as debate about Kenny Payne and to a lesser extent debate about Josh Hurd, nothing's going to get solved. Like the, the, there's there's any sort of resolution, any sort of climbing out of this hole won't start until the day after or the day of Louisville's loss in, in the, the conference tournament. 
And until then, there's nothing you can do. Like, th- there's nothing any of us can do. And I know, like, look, I've, we have a, have, we have a job to do on the radio show. You're going to listen to us. We're going to talk about candidates. We're going to talk about everything that's going on with the program. At the end of the day, it's like th- this is over. This is done. It's terrible. It's been consistently terrible. If it's getting better, it's not getting you know nearly. It's not improving nearly enough. And you just kind of can count down six weeks. We 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 we've got six weeks left to do this. Just that's it. But I mean, same thing as the no last problem. Week. Buckle down. Maybe find a quick hobby. If there's look, we watched Vanderpump Rules in like uh, over several months. The new season starts tomorrow. If you want to get up to to speed by you know episode like five, yeah, you know, I don't know how much time you have. We have kids, so we can knock out like maybe one episode a night if we were lucky. If if you don't, if you have a lot of time on your hand, you you can pile through like five episodes a, a night. Go for it. Find a show that has multiple seasons that'll last you six weeks. Find a book. I mean, we've already been through four weeks in this year. We have, and it's you know, I mean, since the the calendar flipped, basically since the news came out that we weren't going to get a new interim staff and that Kenny Payne was going to be the coach for the new year. It was very much like a countdown situation. And we talked about what, I mean, the big talking point was, Hey, can they win a game in January? They did. They beat Miami on the road. So that was, that was answered. Just one game left in January. Now we knew it was going to be a tough month based on on the schedule tomorrow night at Clemson, which is the only place besides Virginia that Louisville has not won on the road since joining the ACC. That will be a tough one. I, I, I think four teams are going to make the NCAA tournament out of, out of the ACC. I think it'll be Duke, North Carolina. They're the obvious ones. I do think Clemson's is, is too good to not make the NCAA tournament. Hell, they 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 beat Duke over the weekend. They got screwed by a call in the last seconds and a couple other calls in the final minutes. And then I think Virginia will probably be that fourth team. It could be somebody else. Maybe Virginia Tech is gets on enough of a run. Maybe Miami can can right some wrongs. But that would be my guess as far as the four teams that make it. Wake Forest will have a case. But Clemson, to me, they're the clear third best team in this conference. They have not played like it all the time, but they've been tough at home. Uh, I think they'll be tough at home again tomorrow night. That'll be a tough one for Louisville. And then you flip the calendar in February, and they may win some games. That'll give us something to talk about. But we are now 207th on Ken Palm. In the 200s on Ken Palm for a second straight year. I never thought we would ever see Louisville slip below like 150 at the the worst of the worst the fact that we're in the 200s you know, this deep into a new head coach's second tenure second year is unthinkable again like Trevor and I when we were talking when we were covering the, the last Chris Mack season which was the first season we had the, the radio show here we both agreed it was the worst season of Louisville basketball in our lives the the crumb last year where they went 12 and, and 20 was bad um the, the crumbs 1998 where they won i think they went 12 and 19 it was terrible you know rick's rick's worst years we at least went to the nit last year the you know, the the, the year we went 13 games including one in the conference tournament and we're like because of all the extenuating circumstances because of the way that it bottomed out losing 15 of your last 18 that's the worst season we've ever been through that team was 127 on ken palm and at that <laughs> point in time that was unthinkable we were we were 290 last year at the end of the season we're 207 right now and we're trending towards being in the 200s again this year. It just it's it's been bad. It's going to continue to get bad. And uh, you know, again, I, I still think that this team can win a couple games, a handful of games in February. Whether that's two, three, four, five, we'll find out. But it should not matter. It doesn't matter. The fact that we're not even remotely competitive against anybody with, with a pulse just goes to show you've got to make a change. The cards now one and eight in the ACC. That's good for last place alone in the conference standings. 
Six and 14 overall, it's a debacle. I mean, I guess you tip your cap and say, congrats to Virginia. The, the Virginia, what? Winning? Yeah, the, the Virginia, Doing what they're supposed it's to? It's not a good Virginia. They don't have great elite players either. Like Our talent, I think, is, is right there with them. It was a very simple case of a coach who knows what he's doing to a very high degree against a coach who has no idea what he's doing, and that's the result when those two things meet one another on the floor. Let's take a break. The Thornton Sex Lines, 502-414-1450. We'll get to your text coming up here after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on a uh, Monday on 1450 and 96.1. The Big X. Back in, so I was just doing some research on Micah Tyler during the break of when the devil gonna try to get me gonna praise the Lord. Oh man. yeah. Guess where Micah? If you had to guess where Micah Tyler's from in America, where would you go? Oh man. Based on the little that we know about him, that you're, you're not gonna say like New Hampshire. Right? So I know Stephen McWhorter, who's in that concert with him. He is from Louisville. Okay. Uh, Micah Tyler is not from Louisville. A name like that, I would guess Arkansas. I mean, right area for sure. Beaumont, Texas. Should, okay. should not be a shock, I think, that he's uh, he's he's from Texas. He became a youth pastor after graduating from high school at the age of 18. Wow. He also drove a food delivery truck for his father-in-law's business before turning to music full-time. And he also wrote a banger that we got on a commercial. He did. His, uh, his, his album, New Today in 2020, reached number 25 on the Billboard magazine Christian Albums chart. Wow. He's got a lot of good hits. He's got some, he's got some bangers, for sure. He also uh, once lived in Buna, Texas. Are you familiar with Buna, Texas? I am not. Are you? I'm not. <laughs> but it is you just a found that fascinating. It's a population of uh, <laughs> 2,137. Buna, Texas, smaller than Pekin. Smaller than Pekin, located in southern Jasper County. Just give you some Micah Tyler facts here to avoid talking about sports a little bit longer. <laughs> he's got a lot of music videos out there. I'm gonna have to watch more. I need some more Micah Tyler. I also didn't realize that he's the he's not the only person to do this song. If you type in, like, Devil Gonna Try to Get You, you're going to praise the Lord. A lot of people have done this song, hmm. but it's his. None as good as his. No. Released 2023 from the album People Like Us. It has his own music video. I want to watch the music video during the next break. <laughs> no, the devil's go- The first line is, I know my God is going to fight for me. After that, just letting you know. I need to know more about this song. Uh, Chris the Plumber has weighed in. Starting to think that the NFL is really rigged, Mike. Taylor Swift can suck a fart. That's Chris the Plumber's take. Hmm. <laughs> There are there are so many NFL's rigged people out there. Can you imagine? I mean, it, it is insane too. I, I do love the people who are like Aaron Hernandez when reading the 2013 script. It's like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, uh, like, uh, how would you script last night? Right? Like, you know, how how do you script? Hey, Dan, we're gonna need you to not go for the field goal here. We're gonna, we're gonna need. I mean, poor. Um, um, 
Kimball Vildor, the, the Lions player who had the ball go off his helmet. He's like reading the script. He's like, what the hell, man? Like, like, like how am I going to pull this off? Also, why does it have to be me? Why, why can't it just like bounce off my hands or something? Like, no, it has to be the helmet. I, I was, I was shocked. So like, I, I made a, all I did was tweet out one of the Ravens Lamar Save Us America videos that was going viral on TikTok all, all weekend. Cause some of them were really funny. And again, like I, I've got nothing against Taylor Swift. I also, don't, I don't even mind like the NFL showing her a bunch during games. I'm like, she's, she's pretty famous. I get mm-hmm. why they would do it. It, it's like a five-second cutaway, and then they go back to the game. It's like you're missing action. Well, you got to think how many people that are now tuning in to the NFL sure. because of Taylor Swift. Sure. So but, they're going to want to see Taylor Swift. But so even, you kind of got to balance. Like, I, I, like I'm not. I, I want to watch the game, but it's not like showing her for five seconds. It's like showing a player's parents. Like, as yeah. long as you're not costing me time of actual game on the field with your cutaway, I'm, I'm, it's whatever. Like, I, I can do anything. I can just look the other way for five seconds if I'm that upset about it. Yeah. But – I posted one of the videos, one of the cool ones, just being like, I think this is the best edit. And there were, I guess it, went, it kind of made the rounds a little bit. And there were so many people in my mentions who were like, Kelsey and Taylor, this is all like a a, a psyop. This is all like a, a government plan thing to try and boost. This is all it's part of a plan that the NFL and the government are doing together because they're losing conservative viewership and they're trying to get more now like more liberals involved and Kelsey's like the he's got the Pfizer advertisement going like this is all it's all part of a plan and I'm like wasn't the NFL the group that 3 years ago we were talking about how you know Colin Kaepernick has been blackballed and all this stuff and he's not allowed to come play and, and it, it wasn't exactly like a bastion of liberal glory <laughs> that the NFL it never has been like I think like 95% of NFL owners We'll probably vote for Trump in the upcoming election. It's not like this is some sort of liberal cabal that's trying to have this gigantic. Yeah, I, I just I don't really get it. And you know, conservative. I thought there was like a let's cancel the NFL movement a few years ago when everyone was doing like the take a knee thing. And I mean, the, the NFL can do whatever it wants. The, yeah. the NFL can piss off both groups equally. Mm-hmm. It could have somebody poop on the American flag and somebody come out and like you know poop on an uh, LGBTQ flag and, and like. Liberals and, and conservatives are like, hey, that's terrible, that's awful, that's awful, and, and then like they're still going to watch football. Like, that's I don't what know. That's what we've learned. I, I know, I guess, two, three older guys that will not watch NFL because of the whole Kaepernick thing. I mean, still to this day, they will not watch the say NFL that? because here's the deal. No, I mean they don't watch it. The Kaepernick thing's done. Like, who cares? Exactly. But he took a knee. We, when we talked about it, like. In 2023, or 2022, I guess, going back to the last year, 76 of the, of the 100 most-watched programs on TV were NFL games. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, they, the, the games last week, the, the amount of millions of people that are watching this, like, Americans are unified on basically nothing right now. They are unified in their love or at least their appreciation or their fixation on professional football. It's like the one thing that people still watch live on TV in crazy numbers the NFL, I mean, they screw up every postseason. There, there are terrible calls. There, there's, there's mismanagement. They piss off conservatives. They piss off liberals. They piss off everybody. And the next week, we're right back to being like, okay, let's do it again. Like, F you, see you next week. That's the Larry David meme in, in, in like real time. If something crazy happens in the Super Bowl that pisses off everybody, we're going to watch the Super Bowl again next year. Like, it's, yep. just, it's not going to stop anytime soon. Hopefully, we don't get the referee for the Super Bowl from the Chiefs-Ravens game. God, I know. Dude needed to hit puberty. It was, yeah, it was. That was First down! Uh-huh. It was annoying. It was ugly. Uh, Texas says, 502-414-1450. Blame goes more towards player execution with critical drops and a fumble than Dan Campbell. You can't change your coaching philosophy in a playoff game just because you're scared. Look at the Ravens, a well-balanced offense with an excellent power run scheme. 
They completely changed their identity to a pass-first team just because they fell behind by one score, forcing Lamar to drop back 38 times against an elite secondary was coaching malpractice. You stick to the identity that got you there. I agree with part of that, but again, like it's not like the Lions were just going for it willy-nilly during the regular season. Like I, I watch this team every single week. He seemed to have situational situational awareness every time he made one of these decisions. And like I would say 90% of the time I agree with, even when it didn't work out. This was one of those where I was like, no, you cannot do this. You cannot. It's a three-score, make it a three-score game in the second half of the NFC Championship on the road against a team that is not great at playing from behind. Like, it's logic at that point. It's not You can't just say, like, we go for it every single time. They don't go for it every single time. They kicked it at the end of the first half because it was the right thing to do. And it was, it was a nice showing of situational awareness there. You knew the 49ers were getting the ball to start the second half. It's a totally different game if they come down the field and score to make it a 21-14 game than it is to make it a 24-14 game. And the situation was exactly the same after the, the Niners kicked the field goal to start the second half. Like You can take their heart out by getting them back in a three-score situation with just 20 minutes to play. I just I, I don't get it. And everything else they did was, was, was Lions football. Like They didn't change their offensive philosophy. They still... Yeah, they ran a couple of trick plays. They had, they ran multiple flea flickers. They you know, ran it on third and nine, which was kind of a crazy thing. They did a lot of throwing behind the lines on third down situations that worked out. They like they stuck to their guns. It was just those two decisions, and then the the decision to run the ball and then use a timeout at the very end of the game that were I think coaching about practice. And again, I didn't hate the, the the last decision to go for as much as I hated the second one because you'd already lost the momentum at that point. And you were kind of desperate to get it back. Texas Mike, when is the football spring game? That's a good countdown to have. They haven't announced yet. Like we don't know the dates for practices. We don't know the date for the actual spring game. I don't think. Um, the good thing too with Jeff coaching is that he opens up a lot of the practices to the public. So if you're just if you're dying for your football fix in a couple months and, and you want to see some of these newcomers, you're probably going to have multiple opportunities to get out there in, in April or March whenever we start doing this thing to watch the team practice. And that'll be fun. I mean, we'll we'll dive into the the reports that people have from the game, from the practices, and I'm sure we'll break down all of this stuff. It, it'll be – I'm excited for spring football. I'm more excited than I usually am because typically I can just kind of take or leave spring practice. But with this many new transfers coming in that we don't know a whole lot about, I want, I want to see these guys and how they're performing and how they're, they're gelling early on. Texture says, Mike says, find a book until KP is gone. I say read my book. The Misery House, available on Amazon. I promise that I'm much better than KP. There it is. The Misery House. The Misery House. That sounds like uh, kind of... Is it the, about it, the Yum Center? Is Are you a Louisville basketball writer? <laughs> it kind of feels like this This could be this could be appropriate. The Misery House. We'll check it out. Uh, Texture says, one, this sucks. What an awful sports weekend. The worst I've felt since the FSU loss. At least today was good at school. The Jeff kids are all pro Lamar, and that warms my heart. Two, what a sad day. So, Scoots, what is the worst thing that you've ever done that you can share on the radio? The worst thing I've ever done that I can share on the radio? radio appropriate. Oh, man. Uh, let me dig in the memory banks for that one. Maybe we'll get you that in hour three. Nothing. The fact that nothing comes to your mind really quickly I don't, is, is probably yeah, a good thing. Yeah, I don't. The dumbest thing? What was what was the question? The worst thing. The worst thing. Yeah, I'll have to think about that. I can't think of. I was I was trying to think of like if I could have a submission too, and I can't think of question one for you, Mike. I know, but I'm just trying to think. Like, <laughs> what, what what would I say? I mean, I don't know. I've done bad stuff. 
But no, like, you know, standard bad stuff. And, and, you know, some stuff I, I don't want to talk about on the radio. Not, not, not like it's illegal or anything, but it's just, you know, we're young and gross. Texture says, um, yes, they are still making new episodes of Who's Line. Wow. I, like that, I like that this the, the Scootator still even signs text like that with Scootator. <laughs> he has to let us know. It's like UK fans when they're not talking about a UK topic that just still have to let you know that they're UK fans. They're like, you know, like, hey, Mike, UK fan here. Sorry your grandma died. I'm like, you, you, know, you could have just said, like, sorry your grandma died. I don't, I don't need to know who you are. But they, they do it with every single thing. It's like, Mike, I'm a UK fan here, but, yeah, I, I did think 9-11 was terrible. I'm like, you don't, okay, I, I agree. Like, we don't have, I don't, I, your fan preference does not matter at all here. Well, if he signs every text with Scoots Hater, I guess I'll tr- continue my tradition as well. Suck it, Scoots Hater. Suck it, Scoots Hater, yeah. Texture says, uh, I think that Goodman is jealous that John Rothstein has surpassed him in terms of breaking big college hoops news. Yeah, Rothstein's more of the scoops guy now, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Which I, I guess comes to the territory when you're texting every single head coach every single morning. Rothstein, I mean, I I hate the the lines that he gives out for every coach. Like when when they have a big win, you know, like like Mick Cronin, you know, more consistent than a few good men on a Sunday afternoon, or like all the ones that he does. And I hate that he's constantly promoting his merch and stuff, but I have to keep following because he does break news, and sometimes that is involving Louisville, or sometimes it's involving something else that I care about. So you kind of have to like just filter through. What's worse, that or Jay Bill is tweeting out his little rap lyrics. I don't mind it. that. It's it just they're it, so dumb. It's it's it was a cool, it was funny thing like Gotta ten go years ago. Yeah, it was it was it was fine like ten years ago, but now I don't even. The thing is, I don't even see it anymore. He tweets at like six in the morning. He does. Yeah, it's early. It's like I never see it, and you know, it's it's one tweet you can just scroll past it. Mm-hmm. But Rostin, it's like he spams you. Like Saturdays, like all the games are happening. He's like, "Here's my Fred Hoiberg line. Here's my Fred Hoiberg T-shirt." Some people have hobbies. I watch college. I'm like, okay, like just it's a little old. Tex says Goodman trying to figure out his niche after ESPN fired him. <laughs> it's the it's the gif of uh, Mac from It's Always Sunny where he's saying, "I'm playing both sides so that I always come out on top." <laughs> so yeah, that's good. Texas, did you see that? Do you see J Bone calling for Campbell to be fired after last night? Clown. No, I did not see Jared Stillman calling for, uh, for, for for Dan Campbell's job. I mean, I like if you take Jared for what he is. Like, I, I could never listen to Jared's radio show because he's like, this is who he is. Like, this is what he does on a daily basis. But if you just like take him for what he is and, and from afar, like, it's there's a funny, funny element to it. I mean, it's just it's so Jared to to be like this guy who took the Lions. Who've never you know, hadn't won a playoff game in over thirty years, and takes them to the NFC Championship game in his third year on the job after inheriting a situation where they're just they're, they're miserable. He has one game where he maybe makes some questionable decisions and they lose the conference championship game, and he's like, "He's got you've got to fire him. You got to get rid of him." It's just it's 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 hilarious. <coughs> Texter says regarding a Corafor versus Okafor, my favorite was Dickie V and Juan Palacios Palacios every time he called him during <laughs> and never fixed it. I think that was actually Vern Lundquist. I think you're, you're Vern Lundquist that would make more sense called him Palacios every and, and this is when we were playing a lot of games on CBS and Vern's Vern, a golf guy give him a break Vern's the man who the hell is happy Gilmore <laughs> he but he, he did a ton of our games over and, and Palacios played there for four years so he called a ton of games with Louisville and Juan Palacios and he just never changed it. He just always said it wrong. Palacious. Like, just just, just changed it. There are certain announcers who like, would do Louisville games and would just, they would constantly screw up the name. Who's, we have an announcer on the, the ACC network who, whenever he's called our football games over the last three years now, he refers to Brock Doman as Brock Doman 
every single time. And I'm like, the Doman is coming in. And he's the only person who does. I've never heard anybody else pronounce his name that way because it's not how you say it. And he's like, Brock Doman. And he's like, here comes Doman on. I'm like, you just somebody correct him. I mean, somebody get in his ear. At that point, are they just stubborn and want to be old men and not change their ways? You know how old men are. I, or somebody just doesn't have the courage to tell them that, like, hey, man. It's like the episode of Friends where Chandler's been, some guy's been calling Chandler the wrong name at work for the last like six years, and he can't correct him now because it's gone on for too long. Like I, maybe somebody who's done this for like six years, nobody can be like, "Hey, man, it's it's, it's Doman, <laughs> it's Palacios." I don't know, but uh, yeah, that was that was bad. Um, Texas says, "Mike, y'all got three chances in the Cowboys game to just take the points and go into OT and didn't do it." Just like I can say as a Packers fan, I knew all season how our season would end up in being Carlin missing the biggest kick of the year. You should have had a gut feeling that gambling every single time would come back to haunt y'all eventually. I mean, again, like, the situation stuff matters. In, in the Cowboys game, I didn't hate going for it when they, they got it and they got screwed out of it by the penalty. Mm-hmm. I did hate going. When you get backed up after the false start to the eight, it's just dumb to go for it. Kick the extra point and, and go to overtime. And that's one where I can't imagine that the analytics say go for two when you're on the eight-yard line. It can't be better than, like, a... 20% if that success rate and he still went for it they got bailed out by another penalty they pushed it back to the two and then I was like okay if you have a play that you feel really strongly about I'm back to being okay for it it matters from situation to situation that you have to take everything into consideration and like I I get that he gambled but more times than not he wasn't overly reckless like this it was just it was, it was aggressive again fine line between aggressive and reckless and I thought last night at least once totally crossed it um Texas says, Mike, your summary of the Jeff Goodman stuff was incredible. You're a college basketball wizard, man. You should do more pods about the nuances of the sport. You're just so good. And give me some big X, big bets, and Scoot's worst thing that he's ever done. Um, yeah, it's good to see he's still thinking about it. I, I mean, I got one from when I was like a kid, but... That's fine. I mean, it's looking back, it's like just a, being a dumb idiot. So, I, I guess I can couple it together with a couple of them. So, me and my sister... I have a sister that's two years younger than me, and we would fight constantly. We're, we're, I mean, we're like best friends now. I, I love her to death. But when we were kids, it was just constant fighting, bickering, yelling at each other, whatever you could do. So I would always do the thing where I would just punch her, and then I would sit there and I would slap my face. So my face got real red, and then I would tell mom I only punched her because she hit me first. AKA, look at my no. face. But so one time I crossed the line. I don't remember what she did. I can't even for the life of me remember what pushed me to this level. But I decided, all right, you little brat. And she was she was probably seven or eight at the time, which when would have made me nine or ten. I peed in her toothbrush oh, cup. God. You know the cup that, that everybody is, has next to the sink? That is terrible. In hopes that she would gargle it and and yeah. So I, that was that was Scoots. probably one of the worst things I've done, and I learned real quick to not do it again because mom made me go to Target and buy her a new one with my own money. Well, you so you cop to it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, there's no way I could turn it down. Well, I mean, but you admi- you admitted that you did it. Absolutely, they found out. Who else would have done it? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so she she like smelled it and she was like, I don't. Yeah, in my I don't. Cup? I don't know how she even caught on to it, but I know she did not drink it, which. That was kind of a bummer back then because that's all I wanted. I mean, I was my, – my sister's three years younger than me and very much the same. Like we, we fought growing up a lot and very much like love each other and, and certainly now are very close. But I don't think I ever did anything that bad. It was more just like she would pester me 
she would like ask where like I would try to like my mom would always be like Kate, you're not gonna win this fight like why are you doing this like she like wouldn't leave me alone and finally it was like boom like yeah I'm giving you a punch in the arm or I'm I'm Charlie horsing you I do remember a couple times where like I before gaslighting was even a term we'd have an argument about something and I'd say like this like and then she would go and like ask mom and if she was right I'd be like no I was the one saying that like what you said was <laughs> like I, I do remember doing that and she would like go nuts because I knew it was gonna drive her crazy and I I hated being wrong. Uh, but I don't think I ever did anything. I don't think I ever peed in a cup and hoped she'd drink it. That would have been bad. I, yeah, I, I don't remember growing up. I feel like maybe I did certain things. I just can't remember. I mean, yeah, as an adult, I just can't think of any because they're all likely alcohol-induced. Yeah. So I don't know that any of those Same. even count. Uh, yeah, well, they do. It's not a not a good defense in a court of law if it comes I mean, down to it's it. It's not like I like <laughs> hid in a bush somewhere and was like shooting random people with paintball. Like I don't have a story like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't really either. Uh, Texas says the worst thing that he has done by far is agreeing to impregnate his former now lesbian girlfriend. No, that wasn't bad. That wasn't a bad thing. You thought you were being a nice guy. I was being a nice. That guy. is a great story. Yeah. The fact I, I do love too that we have a lot of people that probably aren't familiar with that story who are just mm-hmm. listening to this right now and who are like, whoa, 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 huh? wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you guys just said that so casually. Wild time. You just threw that out there. I think My, it's, it's come up on the show, but it was summer. We probably have more listeners now than we did back then. The one caveat I can say from that story is always sign the contract. Don't don't not sign the contract. God. <laughs> it's That story could have had such a different outcome. It's a good story to tell yeah. for sure. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. The 5 o'clock hour is up next. We'll rehash some sports. Maybe we'll get off sports for like 10 minutes because I, I need a, a mental break, I think. And certainly we'll take some more texts from you guys at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. The 5 o'clock hour is on the way next here on 1450 The Big X. Start the five o'clock hour. Doing some crying today. Lions lost. Lamar lost. Men's basketball team lost. Women's basketball team won yesterday. Continuing the good vibes going at the KFC Yum Center on the women's side, at least. But it was a sad weekend overall. I got a little bit of breaking news here. I can't wait. Gil is listening to the show. Gil. He does not. He does not listen to sports talk radio when I'm on. Love you, Gil. So this is a big moment. I, I, I only know because he told me I was nasty for peeing in the cup. That's pretty guess nasty. I, I guess he didn't know that one. A lot of other people are listening to the show, too, because I've had uh, several texts now from people who are like, I, I don't know this scoot impregnating a ex-girlfriend who was a lesbian story. <laughs> and I love, like, we're talking about it after the break, and then Trey, like, from the other room, <laughs> Trey Ryan's like, I don't know the story either. <laughs> Everyone just, basically, it was, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, relatively straightforward, a ex-love of yours uh, had become, was, was, a, was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And wanted to have a baby, and they think they wanted to, you were going to have sex with her to impregnate her, Correct. and then they were going to to raise the baby together, and that was it. But there was a contract involved, 
that I wouldn't be liable for anything. That you weren't, yeah, weren't going to be involved in this. You signed the contract, and then no, they, we never signed the contract. Oh, you didn't sign the contract. No, which is the scariest part. That is pretty scary. And then they ended up breaking up anyway, and so the deal was off, right? Well, no. So we tried a couple times. Oh, I, I don't. I I, 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 yeah. I forgot this part. Yeah, of the we had story. we had tried a couple times, gone through the whole rigmarole. And then we were like waiting on test results, and she let me know that they were no longer together. You were waiting on test results to see if she was pregnant. Correct. And that's terrifying. There was no contract. And she told me they were getting divorced or whatever. So I was kind of in the dark, like, oh, God, hopefully, hopefully this didn't happen. Would you have been okay with like a a baby out there who technically is like half of your DNA that you just wouldn't have had a relationship with? At the time, I thought so. But the more I've thought about it over yeah. the years, yeah, that would that would have been really tough to see. I mean, because I would have watched the kid grow up on Facebook, would have looked just like me. Exactly. Knowing that it's me. Like, yeah. He's like, and he's like, you, you and I've always wanted a kid. So, yeah, that would have been really hard. Pick up on some mannerisms. Yeah. Like, I, I never understand how people out there, you, you hear stories about you know, dads or sometimes moms just not being involved in their kid's life, like knowing that the kid's out there. And just as from a male perspective, I just, I can't. I don't understand how you could ever deal with it. And again, your situation's different. It's not like you're abandoning a child that you, right. you yeah, knew yeah. was going on. But like if you, for those people who do, you know, you, you somebody gets pregnant and you're just like, Oh, like I'm I'm just I'm this kid's never going to know me. I just don't know how you can It would have been tough. Deal with that. Like that, it, it was, it's a it's a unique situation. It would have been it would have been one of those situations when the kid was eighteen, I'd have been like, Okay, I guess I'm ready to meet this little Well, because at some point, like they he probably or they probably would have been like, you know, I'd like to know who my father is and like i'd like to you know kids get curious at a certain age they want to know what was going on and that would have been an interesting situation for you i don't think that it sounds like that situation wasn't thought thought through all the way by a lot of parties no it involved. wasn't because i mean clearly you know the, the, the there was probably a good breakup for all in, in, involved well it, it was kind of like you mentioned ted too last week it was kind of like ted too where they felt like all they Did needed I mention ted too? yeah we had brought up ted I think you, you, I think you or said. Or maybe this was two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two weeks ago because it was the, uh, I, did, I did that podcast. The movie like, I could watch. Oh, bring any yeah, part yeah. of like a pop culture that yeah, you want to talk right. about at length and you, yours was Ted. Yeah. And then very we had brought up Ted too, but it was, there's a whole situation in that movie where they feel like if they get a baby, then they're, they'll find love again and be okay. So I don't know if it was one of those situations. <laughs> maybe they thought they needed a baby in the mix. Save but, this family. Yeah. So it never turns out well. No. The extra baby never winds up saving the marriage well, or this, saving the family. This situation turned out well. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm happy. That 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 is good. I do love the the idea of you know we have a lot of people that will turn on the show five o'clock hour. You have dads picking up kids and moms picking up kids. Yeah, and probably not the best. They're turning the to be show talking on. about. They flip it on. Let's see what Mike and Scoot. How's Tad is Mike about the Lions game? <laughs> let's see if they're talking some U of L basketball. No, this is it's a little bit different. Apologies to all the the parents that we just made having awkward four minutes in the car with, but happy to have you along for the ride here in the five o'clock hour of the Mike Rutherford Show on fourteen fifty nine six one the Big X. Uh, we have, I mean, I, I talked about how sad I am with the Lions game and angry at some parts of it for the first half hour, and it's a weird, it's weird wearing different like sports are crazy, being able to wear different hats for different franchises like Louisville men's basketball. We've had the same conversation basically since I've been on the radio for the last three years about how bad things have been. But it's not like when I'm talking about the Lions, that has always come with the territory. You know, it's you're making these self-deprecating jokes, and even when you're kind of good, you're sort of making fun of yourself because you're never that good. And it's you know, with Louisville men's basketball, 
it's frustrating because, my God, there's a standard here. Mm-hmm. This is one of the best programs in the history of the sport. They've won three national titles, all that stuff. And it makes being this bad just so much more difficult to stomach. And even on, on the football side of things, there's it's a different conversation. Football has been pretty good for most of my life, but never won a national title for a long period of time in the 70s, 80s, and it points in the 90s. It was looked at as, you know, kind of the bottom tier of, of FBS level, the division they thought about getting rid of the program entirely at one point in the 80s. So it's different talking about different sports with different fandoms. But it is crazy. I think now, with every team that you follow, everybody has that one game that they point to, and they're like, that's the one that broke my heart. Like That's the one that I'll never forget. And I've got that game with the Lions now, for sure. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were always some candidates. Like The, the Cowboys playoff loss in, in 2014 was, was terrible. Like I was very frustrated about that. But that team, I never had the sense that you know, if they won that game, they were going to win the next one. They are going to play for the conference championship, and they would have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like, they were good, but they, they weren't at that level. There was also a game in, I guess it was 2000 or 2001, where we just we had to beat a bad Bears team on Christmas Eve to make the playoffs. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm watching the whole game, but it's, it's time. Like, we have to leave. We go to my aunt's house, then we go to my grandma's house. So, like, I'm like, I've got the game on the radio as I'm taking a shower. And Paul Edinger, the Bears kicker, drills like a 55 yarder at the horn to knock us out of the playoffs. Like I like crumpled. I was like, oh, it ruined Christmas for me already. Like that was a really bad one. But probably don't listen to sports in the shower anymore. Yeah, yeah, rarely. I mean, who listens to anything in the shower anymore? Me. You you big shower? Oh yeah. Oh, I've got I've got my music in the shower guy, but not not like a podcast or radio. It really it really kind of depends what's on. I mean, if if there's a game on of some sort that I'm interested in, like if Indiana's playing, I'll I'll play it it in the shower. Yeah, but most time I'm music. I hate you for that. I put on some pretty good concerts. Tell Gilly owes me some money every time, but still haven't got any. Classic Scoots and Gill. But I mean, basketball for me, I wasn't around for the U.S. Reed game. Some of the 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 seventy five Final Four game. Obviously, I wasn't born for that. So for me, it's always been easy the last 10 years or so that 2014 Sweet 16 lost to Kentucky. Like, boom, that's the worst one for me. Football, 06 Rutgers, that's the worst one. There's some other contenders, but that's the worst one. Reds, for me at least, again, as a, as a guy who missed the heyday of the big red machine in the 90s and stuff, the game five against the Giants in 2012, the oh, divisional series, was was terrible. I thought you were going to go with the Pirates. That was That's the one for me regarding the, the wild card game? Yeah. Eh, I mean, it was bad, but like it was the wild card game, and it wasn't that close. The yeah, but I mean that's a game I'll never forget. I, I, mean, forget. I mean, obviously I remember but the, the crowd chanting at Cueto and him dropping the ball and everybody losing their mind. That was like, most terrible. At one point, I was like, they're gonna like pull Ryan Ludwig. I was like, I was like, they brought him in the crowd. They're tearing him apart. Like I thought they were gonna like kill the Reds. It was terrifying to watch from you know hundreds of miles away. But the Giants game in the the actually the, the year before, I think in 2012, they they'd blown a 2-0 lead. All three of their losses came at home. And, you know, they had game three locked up and a couple of airs wind up losing it for them. And they're in game five, and then Buster Posey just drills a grand slam off uh, off Matt Latos, and that just just killed me. I just don't know if I remember that. It was terrible. It was the, Those are the only two playoff games the Reds have won since 1990. So, yeah, somebody did like a whole listing of the in the, expand, in the wild card era how many playoff games every team has won. The Reds have won less than anybody with two. Which is pretty embarrassing, but that like that game five, I think was is the worst for me. And I'm trying to think of other sports phantoms, but like now, I've got the Lions one where you just rip it off and immediately I'm like, yeah, that was it was the worst. You're going through it right now. It's a, it was been a tough morning. I'm not gonna get over this for a while. And I don't have 
I don't have Louisville basketball to, to fall back on now. It, it just it sucks. Where I wanted the two weeks of distraction. I wanted the, the, the two weeks to be able to talk about, hey, let's, you know, I mean, tomorrow we got to talk about the Clemson game. And it's game. <laughs> How do we slow down PJ Hall and Brad Brownell? And is he going to make the NCAA tournament finally? All that stuff. And I wanted in the back of my mind to always be able to have this as a, like, just a, a diversion, nice deflection. Like, hey, yeah. did you hear, like, what Josh Reynolds said, the the, the press leading up, what do you think Usher's going to play? And now I'm just like, I hate the Super Bowl. I don't want to <laughs> think about the Super Bowl. I, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want I'm, to. I'm, the Avalanche are kind of playing okay again, which is. NASCAR starts soon. <sighs> You're not helping, Scoots. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I need, maybe I'll get really into a golfer. I need to pick, like. How'd your golfer do this weekend? Sahith did not. He, he was real bad on, in the final round. Ended up shooting, I think, even par for the tournament. Mm. Anybody have the winner? Uh, no, the, the winner was a no name. Oh, okay. So nobody in our league. So we have a carryover this week into the the Pebble Beach Pro Am. Yeah, I didn't even watch it this week. Got the whole Wednesday thing started or it's, start. It, it, Farmer's throws me off every year. Matthew Pavon, a, a yeah a Frenchman, mm-hmm. won. Um, the, the leaderboard sucked. Like it was there was nobody in contention yeah. on the last day. Finau ended up finishing top ten. I think that was the, he and Xander Shoffley were the only like cool people in the top ten. But yeah, we I think we're fifty fifth to start, so not terrible. Not the start. Last year we won the first tournament. We need to get going again. But big pick in week two. We'd love to make some early money. We'll see. We can talk more about golf this week. Why not? I don't want to talk about anything else. <laughs> I'm so sad. I'm just I'm I'm just so sad. I'm angry, but I'm also so sad. It just it, for it, what it's worth, I was really rooting for the Lions yesterday. Last a night, a lot of people were, but solely for the reason. And I even told Gil this is. I don't want to come in and do a Mike Rutherford show where Louisville lost and still looked bad. Lamar's not going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the Lions lose. That's like, what we, that was what we're doing. Worst case scenario. That's what we're doing. I just, yeah. And I don't have the heart to do like the whole, you know, Kenny Payne's not getting it done. And we should have, I'm like, yeah, we all know where that situation is yeah. at this point. It's just, it's, it's, it's like we already talked about. Just, just get this over with. Just head down. Watch the games. Don't want, or if you don't want to watch the games, I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> I, I won't. I, I'm not judging any Louisville fan getting through how, this. However, they need to get through it, but just, just make it. Please through. tell me they play at seven tomorrow. They play at nine tomorrow. <laughs> Guess who's watching the first half? You don't have to watch. It's fine. We, 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 no, I have to. No, you don't have to. It, it's it's okay. It, it'll be fine. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll get through this together. We'll we'll, we'll make it happen. It, it just yeah, it's. It's all bad. It, it sucks. They put Karan Davis on the big screen on Saturday as well, I which was just that. very, very strange. The whole thing is just weird. Um, the other thing that, that came up on Saturday that was hilarious is, so, again, Danny, who I do the podcast with, if you listen to the, the CC podcast, it, one of my best friends, his little brother, who I'm, I'm also very good friends with, we actually sat together for the, the Final Four in the national title game in 2013. He shot the half-court shot on Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. at the, the under-12 timeout. And Danny, Danny was a very good basketball player. Played at Trinity. He was a, a marksman, like tall, good athlete. That's how we first became friends playing AAU baseball together. But he was a really good basketball player. His brother, one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. He's big into professional wrestling. Not an athlete. I will, <laughs> I will say that. So when we heard that Colin was going was gonna to do the half-court shot, I was like, oh boy. Like, like I'm not sure how this is going to go. But he's definitely a showman, so we knew it was going to be hilarious. Yeah. And so he came out, he's like pounding the ball, he's getting the crowd into it. And the shot came up, I think, about 96 feet short, <laughs> if I'm doing the math correctly. I mean, barely, I don't think he even rolled into the basket. And Danny, like, you know, the second half's going on, and at this point, you know, we're down by 35, who could care, care less? 
and Danny's just showing us the text from his like family, his extended family group text. Like the like this video because we have friends that are at the game that are sending us the video of it, and like his cousins are just like, oh my god, this is the most em- you've embarrassed the family name. <laughs> Danny can't do the podcast anymore. Colin's like, I let it go. I thought it looked good. He's like, he's like, I can't believe how short it came up. But that was the highlight of Saturday for me because we had a friend there. We he FaceTimed all of us so we could watch it live as it was happening oh, at the hilarious. end of twelve. And I mean, it was just, he was, he was very much like very hilarious, but it was not remotely close, uh, which was great. I was like, if he makes this, it may just save the entire season. What do you get for a half court? Man? I don't even know what it was, but not a pappy bottle, not a pappy bottle, but somebody did win. There was a, another fan contest earlier in the game. And I think Eric Crawford was, you've like search for plane tickets at, at some point. I don't know. I've never seen this game at the Yum Center. So I don't know what he's talking about, but basically with one second left on the clock, the guy or the girl, I'm not sure who it was, found the plane ticket to like win the big prize or what? what you, I don't even know. Like, like tickets anywhere, flight anywhere in, in the country? I have no idea. But yeah, for, find the plane ticket contestant, found the ticket with one second left on the clock. Highlight of the game so far was what Eric Crawford tweeted, and so I was like, dude, quite the hit rate on contestants winning games at the Yum Center this yeah. week. Like, why why don't we have a like, like fan gets to coach the second half type <laughs> contest. Seems like maybe something we should do at this point. Why not look into that? Uh, but we didn't do that. We didn't do that, and so we lost by by seventeen. So, uh, what if Karan won the fan coach the second half? At some point, they gotta stop showing him on the big screen because it's not like I don't think they know what they're doing. But it's like it's just, it's so weird. It's still so weird. This guy got kicked off the team, and he's still he's he's more loyal than ninety percent of the fan base, and he's the guy who he played no seconds for this team, got kicked off, got done pretty dirty by the school, and he's still going to the games. Props to him. Um, we, I, I did love to, I mentioned the fact that the, the halftime deficit, 28 points, 41 to 13, which is one of those scores. It just doesn't sound real when you say it out loud, but then you're like, oh yeah, we're, we're living in hell. It, the third largest in the history of, of Louisville basketball, the 1938 team, 38, 39 was the only one that had uh, one of the two that had the larger one, 32 point deficit. And Jason Riley looked it up. The coach then was Lawrence Apitz, who <laughs> Went four and eight, four and eleven, one and fifteen, and one and eighteen. Look, we gave that man four years. The, what, the least we can do is give Kenny the same, right? That was the old school Kenny. He went the, the, the ten and fifty two overall, a very Kenny Payne record over four <laughs> seasons. But yeah, four wins, four wins, one win, one win. I mean, what was the? I, I know that that Louisville basketball and the media pressure, I'm sure, wasn't as high in 1939 <laughs> as it is right now. But how, like, what, what was the conversation like when you had a head coach who had gone at that point? Let's see. He had gone nine and thirty-eight, and they're bringing him back for a year four. <laughs> and he and he rewards that loyalty with a one and eighteen season. That had to have been a tough sell. Lawrence Apitz, probably worse than Kenny Payne. I think we can say that uh, effectively. Can I also say real quickly because everyone keeps tagging me in these these debates? Kenny Payne is absolutely worse than Steve Crackthorpe. Everyone's like he's our Crackthorpe. And I get that. Like, Crackthorpe was the worst in football that we've seen since, in like, the modern era. I guess Ron Cooper would have an argument as well. Crackthorpe went 500 in his first season. Yes, he inherited a far better situation than Payne, but 6-6, six and 5-7, six, and seven, and 4-8 and eight in football is in no way at all the equal of going 4-28 and 28 in basketball and, no. and 7 or 8 and whatever we're going to go this year. Like, Kenny Payne's 10 times worse than Crackthorpe. Let's... 
I'm not saying put some respect on Cragthorpe's name, but my God, like it's not even a debate to me. Uh, Gary Parrish also chimed in on Saturday. I thought this was interesting to say, like, this is the point that I made six weeks ago. If Louisville thinks that it's doing right by Kenny Payne by letting him finish the season, it's not. He trends on social media after every single humiliating loss. The kindest thing that the school could do for all parties is to remove him. It's a debate that I don't, uh, I mean, I assume at this point that Payne's going to get the rest of the season. If that's still up in the air, I don't know how he's gotten this far. I mean, Josh said at the end of December, this was about a month ago, I guess a little bit less than a month ago, where he was like, he's not getting fired. We're keeping him to start the new year, but made it a point to say, we're not keeping him through the rest of the season necessarily. We're going to keep him through the Since that happened, we've won one game. Since the Kentucky game on, on December 21st, we had the two-week break before Virginia. We have gone one and eight. And... Let's see. All of those losses, every single one besides the NC State game, have been by double digits. So you're not, like, coming close. I I know we try to take some moral victories out of the Carolina and Duke losses. You lost to North Carolina by 16. You lost to Duke by 14. That's not a great showing by any stretch of the imagination. So if you were going to fire him before the end of the season, you've certainly had a lot of justification over the last three or four weeks. My assumption at this point is, if it hadn't happened yet, they're giving him the rest of the year. And if not, then what What? What good is firing him after a loss to Boston College on February 13th? Do? Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. We're getting a new coach for, for three weeks. That's what everybody would love. So, uh, you know, what I did there. Yeah, this whole debate, I get why it's alluring for people. I get that everybody wants – everyone's out for blood right now. I understand it. I feel the same way, but it's just there's no point even having it. Like, he's here. He's, we don't need to do this for the next month and a half. Um. I still think, I'm calling my shot here, we're going to win at least one game in the ACC tournament. Because by the time you get to that point, everyone's going to be like, today's the day we've waited for. Two years, it's time to finally turn the page. It's the last game with Kenny Payne. And we're going to go out and we're going to beat Georgia Tech by like 17 on a Tuesday afternoon and then have another day. And everyone's going to be like, oh. We may win the second day. We, we may win two games in the conference tournament just to prolong this thing because that's where we are right now as a fan base. Whatever can go quote-unquote wrong, even when it seems like it's a good thing, is going to go wrong. I can't wait for it. Speaking of head coach, who was the candidate on Friday? Uh, flip back. I think it was a big one. I missed it. Uh, no, it wasn't a big one. It was a the guy that I've used like a generic name every single time. We, I'm like, hey, we could just hire this guy. Kyle Smith. Where's he at? He's at Utah. Hmm. He'd been at San Francisco. He um, uh, had been at uh, Washington State. He's now doing a pretty good job at Utah. So <laughs> you want to do the candidate coach of the day right Let's now? Let's do it. Let's right now. Um, give me somebody number number nine through number forty nine. Twenty one. Okay. Mm. I like it. Mm. Like it already. This man. Well, you got one crossed off there on your list. Because uh, that was something else. Oh. Was a, a, I was like, we're at the point where we're already scratching off? A note for a different show <laughs> that I mistakenly put on the list of coaching candidates. Today's candidate of the day. He's coming off the high point of his career last season. He's a hot name. Some may call him a, a mid-major head coach. The fan base, I'm sure, would disagree. He's only been a head coach of this program. But he's taken them to, to heights previously unthought of. Fresh off an appearance in last year's national championship game. San Diego State head coach Brian Dutcher. Oh. Maybe looking for something new. He's got a good Aztec team again this year. 
Started off uh, maybe a little bit slower than people thought they were going to. They're sitting here now pretty at 16-4, and 5-2 and two in the Mountain West, which is a great conference this year. Poised for a return trip to the NCAA tournament, probably as a single-digit seed. Maybe a chance to make a, a good run again in the tournament. Uh, Jaden Ledee is a fantastic player. He's on Ken Palm's um, Top 10 Player of the Year watch. They, you know, he, he had to bring in a, a decent mixture of guys returning from last year's Final Four team. Lamont Butler, who the shot in the Final Four, is back. Uh, Trammell, who's probably their better player in, in, in March last season, he's back. But they had to bring in some transfers as well, developing some guys. He's done a great job at that program. Could he do a great job at a program like Louisville? A lot of people think so. Is one of those people Josh Hurd? He's another we'll guy. Out. Another guy. Not big on the San Diego State red, but he loves that Louisville red. He, he might want to move from whatever that darker shade of red they have out there and in, man, in Calif- San Diego State. California's gotten so expensive, too. You know, I mean, think of the quality of life he could have in a town like Louisville. He loves horse racing. Yeah. I know they got great tracks out He's there. Big slot machine gambler. Doesn't want to go to Del Mar anymore. <laughs> Wants to come to Churchill Downs. Change the scenery, Brian Dutcher. Come to Louisville. That'd be good. I did love everybody kind of hopping on the uh, the uh, the TJ Osselberger bandwagon over the weekend because they beat Kansas. And and you know Osselberger was a game that was nationally televised on on Saturday. There wasn't NFL to compete with. There wasn't college football to compete with. So a lot of people were watching it, and a lot of people were like, "Hey, why are we not talking about TJ Osselberger?" I'm like, "The TJ is the way guy has been talking about this guy for several weeks." They didn't cover though. No, yeah, they didn't. They didn't. But that was one of my winners. I had a I had a twelve team parlay this weekend. That was my only bet I made. $3 bet to win like 770 and Nebraska plus five. Screwed. Mm. I won 11 of 12, Nebraska plus five. One of the big bets that I saw a lot of people making was was um, was Iowa State to cover against Kansas. I was like, I, don't, I, was like, I, I actually had Kansas four like, and a half. I, I, like, I think they may win, but I, I'm, I'm staying away from that one. But I did hit – what was the, the only game that I lost that I felt kind of screwed on? Because I, I – Won a lot on Saturday. It was like it was one of those where I'm like, just keep going, let's keep going. Why yeah, not? Right. Uh, I lost. I, I took Villanova money line against Butler, and was, they were up the entire game. And I'm like, this is done. Like I didn't even watch the end of the game. And then I lost in double overtime. And oh. I was like, that was that was not good. But got to focus on the wins more than the losses. And, and I was feeling pretty good. Uh, the other game that I lost on late Saturday, where I was like, okay, this is time to call it quits. I was big on Texas A&M over Ole Miss, and they fell apart late. Which Chris Beard, that talk got. Ratchet it up. That's a good win for him. No question about it. 502-414-1450, the Thornton text line. We'll take a couple texts here, and then we will move on to the final segment. Texture says, classic ill. <laughs> yep. Texture maybe that announcer thinks uh, that Brock is a Digimon. Did you ever get into Pokemon? No. Kind of surprises me. Uh, what? Really? I guess he is a Pokemon guy. <laughs> no, I never understood it. it was, I don't get it at all. That was always one of those things I was – I mean, I was – I. I was always into sports at a young age, so that was kind of one of those things that was like geeky to me. Yeah, I think Pokemon. I think got big after I was like too old when I was kind of like fourth grade, fifth grade, where it was most kids were above that. I think that was the timing was off. But even as an adult, I've never really under like I don't understand. It. Now I didn't get into it when it came out, but if I were to ever get into Pokemon when they had that Pokemon Go game, that always looked fun. That was that was a weird time in it life. It was weird. Yeah, I, I mean, Wasn't I was that during COVID. No, it was before COVID. Okay. Because I was working, like, I, I was still working it for, for 93.9. So we had, they had the studio down, like, on L's campus. And there's, like, big windows out there. So we'd, we'd be doing, like, the show. And there'd be people just, like, walking down the streets. <laughs> it, was like, it was like the zombie apocalypse. People were just, like, staring at their phone, like, looking over, like, grabbing at the, at the air. I was like, what the hell's going on here? It was so strange. 
And it was like it was like that for like two or three weeks, and then it kind of died down a little bit. Yeah. And you would see occasionally one or two people, but for a while there, it was like seventeen people are all in the same spot, just like grabbing at the air. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Now's probably the time to jump in. Probably Pokemon everywhere. Yeah, if you want to keep playing Pokemon Go, it's <laughs> time to hop in. Texas, oh come on! How do you dangle the pregnant lesbian story out there and not at least give us a previously on Everybody Hates Scoots update? We got it. We, we ended up getting there. Yeah. We did. We did. You you got the un, or the non edited non unedited version. Texas, Sorry. do you think that Jeff Goodman will come to Bourbon and Beyond just to hear Zach Bryan perform something in the orange? I mean, everyone's running with this, uh, hope you look good in orange quote, which is just, mm. it's, I mean, do you think that was going to be cool? Like, come <laughs> on, don't do that. Texas, wow, I didn't have Scoots being a psychopath on my bingo card. What? I'm assuming that's in reference to the P story. I was seven, or I mean, I was like nine or ten. Come on, guys. Texas, I see both sides of the Campbell situation. I guess my thing is I get super defensive if, of people attacking the Lions. They have been the laughing stock for far too long, and I feel the need to defend them at all costs. Yeah, I mean, if, if anybody's saying that Dan Campbell should be fired for this, like, come on. Like, I, I love Campbell. He's been easily my favorite Lions head coach so far. The direction of the, the, the franchise is pretty easy to see is, is on the, the incline, but I had issues with last night. And it's fine. Like both things can be true. I still feel great about the program or the, the the franchise under Campbell's watch, but I'm not thrilled with the way that things went last night. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. I really don't. <laughs> I, I was like, I was sitting here like it was like I'm like staring at the clock and it was two thirty. I'm like, I really just don't want to do the show. I just, I just I just want to pretend like this didn't happen. I want to watch trash TV or just like nap or just do something where I don't have to even think about this. Today would have been a perfect day for one of them like twenty four hour flus. God, it would have been. And I mean, it may be coming. My dad's got COVID now. Um, we got an alert like right after I picked the kids up from school that a kid in Virginia's class had tested positive for the flu. I'm like, Jesus, mm. like, which means I mean, everybody's gonna get it. It's not that like my mom's school, or the school that my kids go to, is just overrun with illness right now, and it's every winter. I got to push through these few weeks. Like, it's not just a basketball thing. Just get me to spring. Stay healthy. Just get through it. Let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll get to as many texts as we can, and then we'll look ahead to the big Monday night ahead in sports and make some big X, big bets. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, the Monday edition here on 1450 and 96.1, the big X. Final statement of the Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450, 96, one of the big X. I just got a, a sympathy tweet from a, a Cubs fan that I saw. It just sent me into oh, a blind boy. rage. <laughs> Let's hear it. No, I, I, it was just like, hey, I know you feel a Cubs fan for so You won the World Series a few years ago. Yeah. You, you, I mean, now they're like, we're back to being at the bottom. I don't feel sorry for you at all. It did, it did take them over 100 years, Mike. I'm assuming this person isn't 120 years old. <laughs> you got, they did it. Like, you had that moment of a lifetime. You, you I mean, I mean, the Lions haven't even been to the equivalent of the World Series 
ever. They've never the only original NFL team that has never played in the Super Bowl and to come that close and fall short. No, it's not. It's not equivalent to the, the Cubs winning the World Series and falling back. Also, Cubs, just get out of my face. Stop. <laughs> not 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 today. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you at all. Five zero two four one four four two five is the Thornton text line. I also see TJ is outing you about your the, the peeing in your sister's cup story, and she's he's he's very upset about it. He's worried about you. I mean, I was nine and ten. You, you were young. There's, there's nothing to worry about. And he's talking Paul's about good. He's talking about the mouse story, uh, which the mouse story I don't think was a terrible look for you. Uh, it kind of. But just you didn't want to pick up the the mouse. Track? No, I mean just letting that little guy just writhe in pain and halfway dead for twelve hours. Like that's pretty bad. Well, you didn't know he was dead until like you heard the the mouse trap kind of go like splat across the room again. Yeah, but I could have gotten him at the beginning. I think is the point. But you thought Gil was going to take care of it because Gil's the man of the house. Yeah, I, I mean I think you and Gil are equal. Equal. Well, now I'm worried. I brought this up this morning. Now I'm worried that. Our roles have switched, and I'm now the mouse guy, which uh. I don't I don't want to be the mouse guy. I didn't sign up for that. You take out that trash one time, all of a sudden you're on trash duty. <laughs> I like trash duty. You expect it every time. I still want to pick up a mouse. Yeah, I've never not done the trash. It's fine. <laughs> 502-414-4250 is the Thornton sex line. We'll take some text here. Last segment of the show, if you want to have your thoughts heard on the radio, you got about 20 minutes to get those thoughts in there, and then we'll pick some games ahead uh, tonight for, for Big Monday. Texter says... Uh, Good for you, Scoots. I don't even know what that's in reference to. Just good for you, Scoots. Thanks. Maybe they're just happy. <laughs> Texas said, I missed the Goodman segment. Can we get a quick recap? As you can see, the above text, I was eyeing Parrish on Twitter yesterday because Gary Parrish showed his Memphis State love once again, referring to, I'm glad Dan Campbell doesn't catch, doesn't coach Louisville because that would be too much. Too much. Parrish has hurt bad all these years for our wins versus Memphis State when he was young. He comments more about the situation than Cats fans. Man, I don't blame Parrish for talking about how, I mean, bad Kenny Payne is he's he's bad he's terrible but yeah I, that like I put the phone down after the game was over I was like I just I can't look at anything anymore I, did, I don't want to see the text I don't want to see what's going on on Twitter I don't want to see anything like I took a shower got ready for bed and then like I pulled Twitter up after responding to a couple of texts and that was like the first thing that I saw was Gary Parrish like can't ima- imagine Dan Campbell coaching Louisville like what a kick I was like you gotta be kidding me I'm like this is just everywhere I turn I just like started hearing the the Billie Eilish, the really sad song, just like playing in my head over and over again. Texter says, after the Rebecca Black scandal and now the latest revelation from Scoots, I think he's earned a new nickname, R. Kalen. <laughs> oh, God. Come on. Uh, it was all consensual. By the way, the Goodman segment, if you missed it, he's he's dealing with some texts that have been exposed going after this DePaul fan who had been making Big East documentaries uh, by this uh, on this Big East account, different documentary for every program in the Big East, and the Providence one had apparently painted Ed Cooley in a little bit of a negative light. Jeff Goodman is is big time buddies with Ed Cooley, so is Rob Doster and, and most of that field of sixty eight crew. So Goodman had messaged this person saying, "Like, look, you're you're going to get sued because you used." a couple of clips from the Fox network without consent. Goodman does not work for Fox. He's got no real incentive to do this outside of just defending Ed Cooley and wanting this documentary to be taken down. And it's at one point said, hope you look good in orange and some other things. And was just kind of a, a D bag in these texts that got exposed today. So it's a bad look for Jeff. There's no way around it. Text says KP should begin taking it, talking in a Cockney accent. It would demand the respect needed to instill the fight needed to begin a tournament run. Why not? What accent? Cockney. I don't know what that is. It's okay. 
Yeah, uh, this is the same guy who always wanted KP to start coaching in a skates and cape, which is the funniest visual of all time. Can you imagine Kenny Payne gets announced? This is the guy who's like you know very straight laced, very much like a he wears the same thing every single game. Coming out in skates and a cape when he's announced. Are you looking up Cockney accent? I am. It's like a London accent. It's a type of British accent. How's it called that? I've never heard that. I mean, it just is. I don't know why. I just know it's type of English accent. Good Cockney. day. Good day. Good day. <laughs> That's Australian. <laughs> that was show by the Bobby. <laughs> Bloody hell. There you go. Texas says Louisville is plus 16 and a half tomorrow. Torvik has it at 20. I don't like Louisville's chances of covering 16. I, again, like I, betting Louisville games is, I, I'm not going to give an opinion. I'm the guy who thought they might cover against Virginia on Saturday <laughs> when they, they're down 28 at halftime. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but 16 and a half sounds about right. It, it, it's a Little John is a tough place to play for everybody. Clemson's, yeah, good. Yeah. Clemson's good this year. We've never won there. Um, we've got to be reeling in confidence a little bit after the way that we played on Saturday. So, yeah. it's a, Also, I mean, these teams that we're playing right now, the teams that are quote-unquote good in the ACC or at least middle of the road in the ACC, they have so much to lose if they lose this game to us. Like, we can, if we go to Clemson tomorrow and we beat them on their home floor, it's a quad four loss for Clemson. We basically single-handedly kept Clemson out of the NCAA tournament last year by beating them at home, by beating them at the Yum Center. If we go there, you know, they, I, I think they're a good team. But they really needed that resume win over Duke on the road on Saturday that they got screwed out of. That would have been a big feather in their cap. Now they're sitting there still talking about, you know, we've got to piece some wins together. If you lose to Louisville, you kind of have to win. Like It's the equivalent of needing to win like three quad one games just to balance that. And I'm not joking. Like Quad four losses are – like we, we've tanked Miami's resume. Miami's one of three teams in the country that has – I think at least one win and one loss in every single category. Quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four. Oh, wow. And all home and road. And it's because we beat them on their home floor. And it's our only conference win. Like, Miami's not going to make the NCAA tournament, even if they get hot here. And it might just be because they lost to us at home. <laughs> so all these teams, Virginia over the weekend, uh, you know, when we play you know, NC State, uh, Wake Forest when we played them, like, they get up for us because they know if, like, if they lose. Like, it's a, it's a profile tanking defeat. So... We'll get Clemson's best shot tomorrow night for sure. Texas Scoots was the last song about Kenny Payne. Uh, what was it? I don't know. Hit the road, Jack. They've all kind of been about Kenny Payne to their to certain degrees. Texas, is that what they're doing now to try and drum up attendance? They just introduced new fan games and everyone gets to win? I mean, I'd be more likely to go to a game if yeah. I thought I was going to win a big prize for sure. Texas says, one more thing, and please don't block me for this. I was the one who tweeted you and Sonard thinking an emergency pod was coming last night when the Lions were up 17. I was feeling good for you and your boys, but I feel very much responsible for their demise as soon as I sent that. I didn't see the, the, the tweet last night. I, wasn't, I was trying to stay off the phone as much as possible during the game, so you're forgiven. <laughs> but if I had seen it, I would be upset right now. Texas <laughs> uh, says, the, the rain in Spain... Falls gently on KP. Texture says, I can't read this, Texter. When I look up P word in the dictionary, I kind of smile because I see Scoot's face. Hang on. Can we go back to the that's last Scoot, text? That's Scoot's hater. Yeah, he can suck it. Can we go back to the last text? The rain in Spain. What was the second part of it? Falls on Kenny Payne's face. Oh, okay. I thought you said KP. I was like, wait, Payne rhymes with all that. 
Well, KP is Kenny Payne. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Mike, I feel your pain. Take JT to finish top five at Pro-Am this weekend. He played really well two weeks ago, and I think he has fixed his putter. I hope so. I want to see – I know he did play too well two weeks ago. It was nice to see him in contention. I think it was the Kapalua. But he – I'm going to need to see it for a little bit to believe it. I kept buying into JT last year, and he just he never got stuff fixed, never yeah. came around. I hope so. Texas, the plane ticket game is what I is what Nolan was watching. Oh, okay. Oh, not a paper airplane? Can I say one thing that I'm sick of since I think all these people are going to be gone anyway? <laughs> I, I know like people, the fan base is kind of divided on Nolan. Some people will love him for the you – know, think he's doing a good job. People think he's you know, being paid unfairly. One thing he does that I hate – is he does this over dramatic thing when we're on defense, and like when they score, he stands up and like, like throws his hands. Like I can't, I, I can't believe that just happened. Like turns around to the crowd and then sits down angrily. I'm like, why don't you actually coach somebody about that? He does it all the time. Where like if they get a wide open dunk and a guy breaks free, he just like stands up. And is like, come on, I can't believe that happened. Like you've been doing this for two years and nothing has gotten fixed defensively. Don't act like you know, you know, hey, we're 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 telling these guys. There've been a lot of great clips circulating. Over the last couple of days, about how I, there was one with Kirby Smart today that I saw, and there was one for from Mike Tomlin yesterday that I think Mark Ennis tweeted out there about how the biggest deflection and the worst thing you can say as a coach is like we taught them this, they just like they're not getting it, and Mike Tomlin's like that's your job. Like if you can't do that, effectively communicating your knowledge to your group of players, that's the job. And if you can't do it, like that's on you, and it's never an excuse. That has to be what you excel at if you're going to excel. And this coaching staff has done that constantly where they're they're always just like, we told them to do it, and they're just not doing it. Like, Okay, then tell them in a different way because yeah. this, this is not – they got to know what the front of the jersey's for. They got to know how to fight. At some point, that falls on you. We are paying you a hefty amount of money to get whatever group of players you have in front of you to understand these types of things. And it's, it, it's, it's not an excuse after game one. It's really not an excuse after game 62 or whatever this is. Like, figure it out. Or we have to find somebody else who can. Texter says, shout to Colin Sennard, great high school buddy from Trinity and one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. Oh, he's hilarious. Like, Danny's very, very funny. His little brother, I think, is funnier. Like, he's maybe the best storyteller I've ever been around. Man, by the way, I went to my grandpa's, or Opa, my German grandpa yesterday. Okay. It, was, it was his 80th birthday. Happy birthday, Opa. Had the... Stunning revelation that so Opa was like the original funny guy in our family. He's uh-huh. always telling jokes. He's just always, always making people laugh. Well, I kind of took that title from him, Ooh. and I'm now our f- family funny guy, or I have been our family funny guy. Came to the realization yesterday, my ten year old nephew is going to take that title He's from me, come for the throne, if he hasn't already. He was he was on one yesterday. He was telling us all his best material. We were trying to get him to go to stand-up comedy club. Mm, it's kind but. of it's kind of like that first time where when you're playing your son in one-on-one, you have to work a little bit to win, mm-hmm. and you're like, I, I still got a couple years here, but yeah. it, it's, it's coming. At some point in the relatively near future, he's going to be beating me at basketball. Yeah. No, I mean, it hurt, though. I mean, for 20, 25 years now, I've been our family funny guy, and to see that come, possibly coming to an end Jeez. due to my nephew, it's tough. That's an end of an era situation yeah. for sure. Yep. Do you have to find like a new niche for yourself? Like what? Oh, you, I will. Yeah. Like the self-deprecating guy. Like, like everything bad happens to me, and I can laugh, point and laugh at myself. You don't want to be that guy, though. No, I, I think I'm going to become the uh, 
So my whole life, I don't know if this has ever come up on your show or not. I don't really give Christmas presents. My my whole shticks the my presents as your presents type of deal. So I think I'm gonna have to transition into a gift giving guy. I can see why you're not the funny guy anymore. <laughs> At some point, the funny guy can't always be the cheap guy either. That's a, it's, it goes hand in hand. <laughs> I mean, this late in life, you only have that many pivots. You know, you, you, you it, it, like if you're not. Like I, I could never like just transition from the funny guy in my family to like I'm the really like cool dresses fancy good looking guy like that I, I can't do that right yeah everyone I'm established I'm almost forty at this point <laughs> the looks are gone that era was never around for me it's never really an option but if it was it was it would have been a long time ago I don't know where you can go I think I just have to embrace it yeah maybe I'll be the laughing guy of the family I'll just laugh at all his jokes. I mean, drunk guy is not a, a role that you want, but well, it, it's out there for That's you. a role that I play. It, it, it's out there. I mean, you guys become like the, the drunk laughing guy. How, how do you think I'm the funny guy, Mike? Because I'm uh, always the drunk well, guy. You, you may end up having to be the unintentionally funny guy. <laughs> that's also out there. Texas, the plane ticket was for a round-trip direct flight from SDF. It was the guy's birthday, and he was blindfolded, so the crowd had to give him directions. The place was electric, but he walked around the plane tickets for about 25 seconds before getting it right at the end. It was the only time the crowd was louder uh, was for the Texas Roadhouse peanuts toss. We're getting like an anecdote like this from every single game now, where it's like the loudest the crowd got was for the peanut toss. The <laughs> last the crowd got was for the long putt. Like I- I'm sensing a theme here when it comes to home games. And congrats on your plane tickets out of SDF. You can go like 17 places. Yeah, well. Options aren't great. Texture says, I can confirm the pack line defense is not dead. Plus, hilarious to think that Tony Bennett has more wins at the Yum Center than Kenny Payne. Hire Tony Bennett. He does. It's, Tony Bennett has now beaten us at the KFC Yum Center 10 times, uh, and Kenny Payne has nine wins at the Yum Center in two years. Almost. <laughs> Texas looked like TJ Otzelberger raised some eyebrows this weekend. Everyone get on board. Hashtag TJ is the way. I gave you props earlier, TJ is the way, guy. You were That's out, way better than Mick is the pick. You were out in front of this. TJ is the way. TJ is the way. I, there's a lot to like about TJ Otzelberger. I would not hate it at all. Texas says it certainly would look look funny from a PR perspective. Uh, here we go. What would be the downside to UofL saying we're not retaining pain for year three right now, but kind of passively acknowledging that they're waiting until the buyout drops to $2 million in April? It won't hurt current recruiting. You could get a head start on a new coach and their efforts going into the 2024-25 season. It certainly would look funky from a PR perspective, but it could, couldn't be worse than what is happening now. Well, I mean – do you think Kenny Payne would keep coaching if you just said, like, we're going to make a move at the end of the season? I mean, is he coaching now? Fair point. Um, I, I mean, uh, like, I stand by, like, if they want to do it, sure. Like, I, I don't care at this point. Like, just get me to middle mid-March or whenever we're going to hire the next head coach or we can start talking realistically about candidates that we're targeting to be the head coach. Like, until then, like, we're going to talk about this stuff, but nothing really matters. There's nothing that can happen as far as effectively finding a way to turn that page to the next chapter and trying to get this thing right until the season's over and we officially make a move. We just can't. All this is just the same talk, the same spinning in circles that we've been doing for the last year and a half. Texture says, um, my favorite moment is the uh, of the KP era was sitting behind Clemson's bench and yelling, y'all ain't going dancing at Brownell over and over. You were right. We single-handed. We did keep a, a a team out of the NCAA tournament last year, and I think three of the four teams we beat last year wound up firing their head coaches. 
And Brad Brownell, a lot of people wanted him fired. So we're just we're we're ending careers left and right. Texas says KP will star in a Broadway hit. KP the musical skates, capes, and, and ignore that accidentally sent. Well, it's funny. I enjoy it. <laughs> Texas says Kenny not very humble for a basketball Buddha. Texas says Scoots' new role is going to become uh, the pervy uncle with Rebecca Black. Pervy uncle is not a role that you want to take. On. No. Do you you have nieces and nephews? I just talked about one of them becoming that's our family right. funny guy. That, that's right. The, the nephew. I was trying to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember if it was a cousin or a nephew. I got two nephews and a niece. Yes. Yeah, you can be. You can be drunk uncle. Drunkle. Drunkle is a, is a role to play for yeah. sure. Brings the party, but also gets talked about a lot when the families resort back to their. <laughs> their houses although that's a title i'd probably have to take from Olma. yeah <laughs> texas says you can't just have two funny guys that played with each other hmm? it's not phrased in a way that i like but <laughs> i think i think they're asking if you could just have two funny guys in the family yeah i guess you could but then i don't know there's gonna be some unsaid competition right i mean you could have like dry comedy person and like big comedy person in the same so family he's i will tell you he's more of like the dad jokes funny like his jokes are just what we don't think of as adults so he, he is 10 he is that can yeah. evolve a little bit it's tough to be like a really dry satirical comic when you're you're 10 he's uh let me give you an example of one of his jokes this one is not a funny one because the family's heard it a million times he okay. just he regurgitates it over and over again but he'll come up to you and he'll be like hey can i have two quarters and you'd be like for what so I can listen to 50 Cent. Like, that's just not a good joke. <laughs> I mean. But then he'll surprise us with one or two that are, like, hilarious. Kevin like, family audience, I think, is <laughs> maybe an issue here. <laughs> Didn't know the bar was this low. Okay. I like to think mine are better still. I would hope so. <laughs> Hit me with something. No, see, I don't. I'm not really like a. I don't really like tell a joke. I like. I'm more of interjects in a conversation when I see an opportunity. You're a reactionary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Texture says, "Got to keep your head on a swivel during the Texas Roadhouse promo. You don't want to get hit in the face by a." Yeah, I can't say that. Come on. I know that peanuts come in bags. I know there's a different way to refer to that. <laughs> I get it. Ha 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 ha! Everyone's having a great Monday. Texas let Kenny Payne coach from uh, let Kenny Payne from Cobra Kai coach the rest of the season. There's a character on the new Cobra Kai TV show. It's not new anymore. It's like four or five seasons. Whose name is Kenny Payne? Really? Which I did find out by way of doing the show because TK was big into that show and he uh, watches it. Yeah, yeah. And then this there's a Kenny Payne. Texas Elmeo, my bad. I'm driving. It's okay. It's okay. Um. I mean, I don't want to start watching the NBA now, but like, I feel like I need something to pivot to besides level basketball, and I've just, I've got nothing. It is a decent night for the big Monday games. Duke is, I don't want to say reeling, but they're not playing particularly well. I, for all the, you know, I roll my eyes at the notion of Louisville moral victory by losing at home by fourteen against Duke, but Louisville was. In that game, uh, they, they were competitive with Duke for the most part. I think that says as much about Duke as it does about us. Uh, but they are, over the last couple of weeks, they've barely beaten Georgia Tech at home. They've lost to Pitt at home. They you know played a game against us where it looked 
far too competitive deep into the second half. And then they just played a game over the weekend against Clemson that they should have lost at home and got bailed out by a late foul call that they won by one. They're playing at Virginia Tech tonight, a Virginia Tech team that we mentioned, you know, the middle of the conference. You feel like a couple of those teams are going to get into the NCAA tournament. VT is very much in that mix where they're 13 and seven, they're five and four in the ACC. Their, their net ranking is not great. There's only a couple of quad one opportunities in this conference, and, and Duke and Carolina, those are the games that you have to get up for at this point. So you expect a hostile environment tonight um, in Blacksburg. Duke is a three-and-a-half-point road favorite at Castle Coliseum. This is a 7 p.m. tip on ESPN. I kind of feel like they're – I don't think Virginia Tech is that good, but the situation, the lack of a role that Duke's on right now – I don't know how to phrase that. It was, it was poorly done. I kind of like the setup here for Virginia Tech. I'm not going to pick the money line, but I am going to say take the, the three-and-a-half points. I think that they – I think they're going to cover tonight. They're not ranked, right? They're not ranked. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going Virginia Tech, too. That's a John Spears system bet. Anytime you've got an unranked team at home playing a ranked team, got to take the points. I don't think Duke, I mean, Duke's number seven in the country. I don't think they're that good. I think they're, they're yeah, fine. They're not seven in the country. I don't think they're seven in the country good, and they haven't been playing very well recently. I mean, they're, the top 25 is just going to shuffle all year long with the way teams have been losing. Yeah, I, I think that there I think there are a few teams out there that I'm like, there's like I think UConn's really good. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch them play, I'm like, I mean, they house Xavier. And I was like, I think Purdue's good. Uh, I still, I'm worried about them in the tournament going deep, but I don't think they're going to like get beat in the first round. I think Houston's good. Um, I like Arizona. I like Tennessee. I like Auburn a lot. Um, I kind of like Iowa State. I don't know. I've I've dropped off on Arizona. I still, I, I'm a, I'm an Arizona believer. They haven't been playing well recently. I, I like their roster. They played. That was one of my huge bets for the weekend was them covering against Oregon, and they did. That was that was. By nine. I think they were seven-point favorite. I was big on that. Uh, the late game tonight, speaking of Houston, oh, I didn't realize how late we were. Uh, Houston, number four in the country, on the road, taking on a resurgent Texas team. The Cougars are a four-and-a-half-point road favorite. Who you got? I got Cougars. Uh, I'm going to say Houston wins and covers, but I'm not crazy about it. I probably am not going to bet that. Uh, go Cougars. Go Kelvin Sampson. Thanks so much for hanging in there. I promise we'll be more upbeat tomorrow. Scoots, appreciate you as always. Everyone, enjoy your Monday night. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Go Cards. Go Lions. That's right, hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. What you say? I hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more.